Today's BS Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Hiring can be a slow process. Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee, went to ZipRecruiter, posted his job, found the best person for the role in just a few days. I'm not surprised. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter to get a quality candidate within the first day. You can do it too. You try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Meanwhile, JustWorks makes it easier to start, run, and grow a business with JustWorks. Entrepreneurs and their teams get access to high-quality, affordable benefits, automated payroll, compliance support, and HR tools all in one place. Get two free months when you go to JustWorks.com slash Bill Simmons. We're also brought to you by the Rewatchables, where if you go to Luminary, Rewatchables 1999 wrapped up this week with Magnolia. We are done with that season, 15 movie podcasts and all. We also on the real Rewatchables feed, the original one, you can listen to Remember the Titans, which went up on Tuesday, as well as uh, other new podcasts, The Hottest Take on Spotify. Ryan Rosillo's podcast finishing up a triumphant like sixth week. Yeah. It's Kyle's favorite podcast. My feelings are hurt. I'm not going to lie. Um, and the road taken a couple of the vampire weekend guys podcasts about life on the road. You should check that out as well. And then Sonic boom, which is on luminary episode two and up today. It's really good. It's about, uh, how the Sonics got hijacked from Seattle. This one, the one today is about Starbucks owner, Howard Schultz bought the Sonics and basically paved the way for them to get stolen. So I would urge you to listen to that one. Coming up, Mallory Rubin's going to do Mallory's Most Intriguing, which we're going to talk some Dodgers. Just be ready for that. Shea Serrano stopping by to talk about his new book as well as uh, sports fictional type movie events that we wish we had been seen in person. And then Nick Kroll Big Mouth season three. And then my son actually comes on and Nicole, Nick Kroll makes his uh, life. And you get to hear all of that. But first, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, we're taping this segment. It is early afternoon. It's before the Tampa game five. So if somebody throws a perfect game or something, don't blame us. Mallory Rubin is here. Hello. She likes to do Mallory's most intriguing every week. Take the floor. Let's go. I'm ready to talk about the Dodgers. Let's dive right in. Number five, but I think really number one. I mean, we could go in an inverted order today. Let's go inverted order. Number one. Let's mix it up. Baseball, man. Yeah. The simultaneous Dodger and national narratives because that was coming to a head heading into that game and then both things kind of exploded. So now we are full on in Nationals Ewing theory mode as they head on to the LCS without Harper. Just incredible. One of your favorite things in the world. Oh my God, so excited. But we have to start with the Dodgers. We just have to because the Clayton Kershaw playoff narrative is not even just a narrative anymore. It is ingrained in the DNA of every living being. It is a part of who we are. It is a part of our shared experience, our shared history, and our shared future. That's where we are with it. And it's honestly crushing. I can't remember another athlete wearing it like this as the event was still going on. Because we saw it like, I was thinking about the NBA 
Carl Malone was probably the closest to Kershaw, where he would mm-hmm. just unbelievable regular seasons. Then the playoffs would come short, and then Jordan kind of pulled his heart out in mm-hmm. the 97-98 finals. This is different, though, because we have the internet. We have the ability to beat narratives into the ground right. to the point of detriment. Right. And in this case, you know, starting around 2016, this was really got going. And then he kind of fought it off a little in 17. But then by the time he hit the whole run last year, I even the Dodger fans in my life were like, I just don't trust this guy. Yeah. I don't trust him to come through. And I think he knew it, which made it worse. And then it yes. all blew up yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I think it started even a little earlier than that because that eight run that eight run game was in 2014, I think. Yeah. So, you know, so so a little background just on viewing this last night. I was at Shea Serrano's book event. Yeah. At Skylight Books. So I did not have the pleasure or misfortune, however you want to, you know, frame it, of watching this live. But what happened was that at one point during the event, I looked down at my phone. It was like I could sense a change in the air. Yeah. And I had text messages from you, from Jeff, from my husband, from friends who follow baseball or the Dodgers. MLB Slack was popping. Our MLB planning Slack was popping. The push notifications were coming in from every sport app I have on my phone. It was like it was a global crisis. Yeah. And this isn't a week, by the way, where there is an actual global crisis. Right. It it was not a common sporting thing. And that is undeniably a part of what makes it such a train wreck kind of sensation as a sports fan where, you know, that's a cliche for a reason because it is true. You see this thing and you are you are appalled and horrified and you don't want to have to witness it, but you actually cannot look away. There's a magnetic quality to watching that kind of meltdown. And, and he's incredibly likable. He is. Which I, Jeff was arguing, like, should that matter? Like if James Harden right. blows it in the next five playoffs, should does it reach a point where you feel bad with, for him? And I was like, well, first of all, when it's a pitcher, it's always the worst. Right. It's the most naked position we have. Yeah, the spotlight's on you. And, and then, especially in the playoffs. After you failed, the manager coming out to get you, it's just well, all of it's the worst. If only the manager had not <laughs> put him in in the first place. I mean, there's a whole separate Dave Roberts conversation to have. But to, to that point about how likable he is, you know, when he he came in to get the final out of the seventh inning, I, I you know, I went home, I caught up on the game, I watched <sighs> all of it, as much of it as I could, watched the highlights, reading everything, soaking it up. The... Not even joy, but the like unbridled euphoria that he was displaying after he got eaten out in the seventh. Like Clayton Kershaw is one of the best pitchers of all time. That's not hyperbole. And to see him celebrate, of course, getting it out in a playoff game is a big moment. But that was that was a reflection of the fact that he also was thinking what everyone else was thinking, which is I can't fuck this up again. And so then the swing into what happened in the eighth, the consecutive homers to Rendon and then Soto and his just despondence, like it, you could visible feel the despondence. Life, you feel the life leave his body. I texted you in fantasy before he came in. Yes. <laughs> at 8.05 p.m. Yeah. And I texted you, I wish people cared about baseball because Kershaw blowing this game would be unbelievable. They care about this. And then I texted you 20 minutes later. All caps. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I love an all caps text. I felt, I, I, I just, I got to say I was speechless. Yeah. I was speechless that, first of all, that they brought him in. And I thought you could feel the energy. You, you didn't get to watch it live, but the energy in the stadium oh, changed. Sure. Oh, and the sure. only thing I could compare it to was... The over-under is now shattered because I'm bringing up a Boston team. 2004, game seven, 
Yankee Stadium. Mm -hmm. We're about to complete the right. most amazing comeback in baseball history. And fucking Frank Conner brings Pedro in. Right. And the Yankee Stadium is dead and the energy shifts. Mm -hmm. And there's this moment where you go, oh my God. <laughs> oh no, this would be terrible if he blew this. It was kind of the opposite at Dodger Stadium where I think they were expecting really anybody else. Mm -hmm. And Kershaw comes in. And it goes from joyous to you could just, everybody's sphincters got tight. You could fear. feel it. Yeah. But then he got out of the seventh fear. and it's like, okay, we got this. Right. And he comes out in the eighth, but now it's like Rendon and Soto. I thought that was, I just thought he was going to pitch to one batter. Didn't you? The the way that Dave Roberts managed the game is, and, and Ben Lundberg wrote a really, really good piece about this for, for The Ringer today. And Michael Baum wrote a great piece on the Kershaw meltdown last night. The way that Dave Roberts managed this game you got to a point with it where <laughs> Lindbergh said this to me in Slack today. When nerds like me and Zach Cram can't find, cannot find a way to defend it, you've really messed up. Right. Like that's the thing about baseball that people always talk about is you can always find the stat or the data point that you need to make your case. It didn't exist with the way that Dave Roberts managed this game. Well, in the past, he would have brought in Jensen for six outs and that would have gone badly too. I mean- Kenley Jansen is not the pitcher that he used to be, but he's still Kenley Jansen. And to have a game that came down to ultimately Clayton Kershaw, a starting pitcher with a well-documented series of postseason achievements. Yes, we should say that, but also postseason debacles. And then Joe Kelly for two innings. Well, hold on. Go backwards, though. You have a two-run lead. You have a Soto specialist in your bullpen. You said ahead of the series was a Soto specialist and has gotten him out three times already in the series in Cleric. You have a two-run lead. All I want to do once I'm out of the seventh is like, I have to get through Rendon and Soto. Right. I just have to. These are my two guys. Right. And if I get through those, I'm fine. When Kershaw came back out, I know nothing. And I was like, oh man, this would be bad. So, I mean, the first home run was ridiculous though. He golfed that off the fucking home plate. Sure. It was just a great hit. Yeah. Soto Anthony hit Anthony is incredible. So is, so is Soto. Soto, that was one of the furthest homers I've ever seen in Dodger Stadium. It yeah. was 20 rows back. Yeah. It's also happening amid the other playoff narrative of is the ball dejuiced? <laughs> right, and right, right. Kershaw's out there giving up that home run, run very tough look. The way that Roberts tried to justify it after the game was a, a sincerely fascinating 2019 sports and media moment because he's taken heat. You know, the other thing we should say is for, for some more macro context here, the Dodgers have won seven consecutive division titles. They don't have a World Series to show for that, okay? They won 106 games this season. Irrefutably, the Dodgers and the Astros were the best team in base, teams in baseball this year. The Dodgers had... Not even, not only made it to the World Series, they haven't made it to the Championship Series. They're out in the Division Series. They lost to the Nationals, who had never won a playoff series. Never won a playoff series. The difference, though, is their fans, even as these wins were piling up, were like, I don't trust it. Right. No, I didn't, I know a lot of Dodger fans, none of them were like, this is the year. We got this. All of them were like, is Roberts going to screw this up? Can we trust Kershaw? Totally. And that's because this cloud is kind of hanging over the entire enterprise. And so that's 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 the point that I was starting to make about the Dave Roberts post-game interview, which is, is a just a fascinating case study, I think, in the, the desire to t simultaneously like express guilt and culpability, but also say, I did what I thought was right and I stood by my guys. And in an analytically driven sport, 
His rationale boiled down to one thing and one thing only. You can read all thousand words. I believe in Clayton Kershaw. And there is a huge difference between saying you root for Clayton Kershaw and you want him to be able to win. I think that's how we feel. Like, it just sucks as a sports fan to watch something like this happen to one of the best players in the history of the sport and saying, I don't believe the data when it tells me that going to Kenta Maeda or to my lefty specialist to face Soto are the right calls there. This was the same issue the Red Sox had in 03 and 04. This is Grady Little going... Yeah, I know all the data says Pedro's um, success just craters when he gets by. I think it was like 107 pitches or whatever the number is. And he didn't care. I was like, right. I'm going to trust my gut. There are a lot of Pedro Kershaw parallels. I think mm-hmm. Pedro's apex was better. But 0304 Pedro, which was, you know, the back-to-back Yankee series where he was still Pedro, but he wasn't totally Pedro. Yeah. And that's kind of where Kershaw was. Totally. He wasn't totally Kershaw anymore. You're completely right. We're we're in a weird moment in his career where I think because of obviously what happened last night, but also even just the nature of his regular season, which compared to the masses of pitchers in baseball was very good, but compared to Pete Kershaw was totally subpar, where we're like, man, it feels like he's 38 and at the end, he's 31. Right. You know, he is nowhere near the end of his career, but you have things happening like the dip in velocity and not just a dip in velocity and a reduction in stuff. But this was this was another thing that Lindbergh pointed out in his piece today. It's what that dip in velocity leads to, which is the loss of a velocity gap between his pitches. And that's the source of success. Right. So if his fastball, if his four seam fastball and his slider are two miles per hour apart and you're Dave Roberts and you see that, you cannot leave him in that game. It's that simple. You can't be a major league baseball manager if you do that. You can't. And you can't have Joe Kelly walk Soto to load the bases and then leave him in. I almost tweeted, I try to stay out of this, especially when it's on my team. When Joe Kelly came out for the second inning. Well, you had the Joe Kelly experience, good and bad. But you could argue Joe Kelly has killed the Dodgers for two straight years. Now, I think they lose the game anyway when it's 3-3. And really, baseball is pretty unforgiving when when yeah. something catastrophic like that happens. The only time I can really remember it flipping back was the 2016 Game 7, the Cubs, when there was the rain delay. The rain delay and is the rain an delay kind of kind of changed the momentum back. But the Dodgers actually had been in a couple games like that recently. I but mean, but that was that was what that did to the crowd. I've, yeah. Yeah, I've been in crowds like that when it's an assassination, basically, right. and you can't recover. Everybody's deer in the headlights. Even Maverick Carter sitting there behind home plate. Yeah, um, even he seems stunned. But um, the, the shot of Kershaw in the dugout. What about the? What about him <sighs> crouching before the ball left the park? That the, the, it was like it was like he lost energy in his legs. The crouch on the mound, brutal, was, was heart wrenching. Because you know what's going through his head in that moment. And he said it. After, I thought this was fascinating. He said it after the game. Basically, everything that people say about me in the postseason is true. I, I just thought that was incredible that he said that out loud. And well, again, like really sad. But when you're an athlete, you're you aware of all the yeah, narratives. Totally. But the shot of him in the dugout, the reason that That's that was, was the saddest, one of the saddest things that any of us have ever seen in sports, no one was around I know. him. It was the complete inverse of the way that you leave a pitcher on his own in the dugout when he's throwing a no-hitter or a perfect game. Like, ooh, we don't want to fuck with the mojo. It was like, we can't bear to look at him. The shame that everybody feels is too strong. Yeah, but that was bullshit. Somebody force. should have sat next to him. It was just so sad. And again, I think that there is a little bit of a divide in fandom where some people say 
why do you feel bad for Kershaw? He is supposed to be not only an ace, but a generational and historic talent, and he can't get it done in the playoffs. That's on him? I, I would just posit that that is not why you can't think it's sad. That specifically is, is why it's sad. You know, from, from basically 2011 to 2017, and you could, I think you could point out fairly that 2016 and 2017 were starting to, to dip. But certainly from 2011 to 2015, and really that whole stretch, 11 to 17, he was not only the best pitcher in baseball, he was arguably the best pitcher of all time. There's a case you could make for that. Settle down. You, there's a case you can make Settle for it, down. that in that span of time, he was. spray you with a water bottle. In the conversation, okay? Stop it. That guy is responsible for his team's failure to win a championship. He is at least in part responsible and at, at times directly responsible. And that is devastating. He reminds me of, uh, it's similar to James Harden actually, where just for modern people, where the regular season credentials are so unassailable. And then they, for whatever reason, they don't translate in the playoffs. And James Harden's case, I think the game slows down. There's a familiarity when you play him seven times in two weeks. I don't really have an explanation for Kershaw because most great pitchers seem to carry that over in the postseason. And there could be aberrations, but not like this. Yeah. It doesn't I mean, make sense to me. ESPN had a stat last night that his ERA, sp- specifically in playoff elimination games, 5.77. I mean, and I remember last year going against them. I was afraid of Bueller. Yeah, I didn't want to go against. I didn't want to go against him. I was fine with Kershaw. We should talk though quickly about um, the seven-year run the Dodgers had. Yeah, where we've seen bad teams hit bad spots. I know my beloved Red Sox had a couple stretches, but not seven years in a row, and not seven years where you're the favorite in every series you end up losing. And not all the horrible losses they've had. I, I talked to yeah. a Dodger fan this morning that I'm buddies with. And he was just like, I can't even talk about it. Yeah, I'm like broken. I'm broken by this team. I can't come back. It's unbelievable. There was a fun debate this morning about whether you would have lo- preferred to lose the way the Dodgers lost last night or the way the Braves lost you know, giving up a historic 10-run first Just inning. Losing You're a, out of yeah. it before you even have a chance. Right. And the case, obviously, for losing in the fashion that the Dodgers lose is that you're in it. You believe the whole way and you can remain invested. But at the end of the day, it's it's your fault. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's your fault. And then that hangs over not only the entire postseason and season, but like you're saying, you then kind of relitigate the past and all of this stuff washes up and it becomes begins to feel, and this is one of the amazing things about sports, but also one of the kind of paralyzing things about being a sports fan or obviously someone who's playing or coaching in the games, you just begin to feel like there's a force at play that's beyond your control. And I know that feeling. I mean, <laughs> I certainly got a lot of columns about it back in the day <laughs> where you just feel like there are larger forces at work. I remember after the Boone Homer, and I wrote a column mm-hmm. that I still don't know how I even wrote it. I had to work at Kimmel Show, and the next day I, I left Kimmel Show at like two. I had to leave. I was so upset. I actually like couldn't work. Yeah, that's what it, Craig Gaines like looked like when he walked in this Ill. morning. <laughs> so I did a levels of losing thing a while ago on page two that really hit with people, and the final level was that game, which mm-hmm. was Game Six Eighty Six, where. Your team has 14 pitches to win the World Series and can't get it done along with all the other baggage. 
Um, level two is a stomach punch. And, you know, like the Ernest Biner fumble, stuff like that. Right. And level, level three was the guillotine, which is basically the devastating loss, but you can kind of see it. Like, right. you're like, is that a guillotine up there? You look it up. <laughs> I felt like last night was a guillotine loss. Kershaw comes in. Interesting. And all the Dodger fans looked up and they're like, there it is. Oh, but then the second homer was a stomach punch. First homer was like, oh shit. Right. Oh no, the Kershaw stuff. Oh God. Next pitch. It was like they weren't Brutal. even kind of recovering from the first homer. <laughs> and then Soto hits it 500 feet. Yeah. That was brutal. The other thing that exacerbated all of that and amplified it was, again, like the Nationals being on the other side of it because they've been a team that True. you talked about all those things with for so long because they couldn't get over the hump despite having I mean, these star players. And not even like a cool history of losing. Just like no, they just, just lose. They just just lose. like, yeah, we just lose in they the just, playoffs every They just year. can't do it. They just can't string enough seasons together despite having, you know, an MVP and Bryce Harper. Yeah. And now, of course, they're in the Harper-Ewing theory moment, right? So they're in the LCS. They're going to face the Cardinals. Harper, where's he? Philadelphia, 13-year contract, $330 million. What did the Phillies do today? They fired their manager. Nats are preparing to advance to the next phase of the World Series after not only winning the first series that they, of, the, of the playoffs, not the World Series, after winning the division series, but they won the wild card game too. Like they've had to get through. And Soto came up big in the wild card yeah, game. Yeah, huge. I mean, to me, Soto is the story for them. This is like, yeah. Harper was this guy who was supposed to change baseball in Washington. Didn't really totally do it, but they stumble into Soto. I mean, they didn't stumble into him, but the guy that they always thought Harper was going to be, it seems like it's going to be Soto. And he's actually coming through in playoff games. They have like a lot of star power though. Yeah. I mean, obviously Rendon is going to be a free agent, which kind of feels like a miniature version of a Harper Redux coming for them. I call him Rendon. I know it's that's, Rendon. That's fine. I just, it's my speech impediment thing. Do you think all your, your listeners know that the reason they should be rooting for him and following him is because he once went on the record and said that he doesn't watch baseball because he thinks it's too boring? Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> Washington Post story about my it. Buddy Gus, my buddy Gus, who is the biggest baseball fan of any friend I have, he ha he tweeted yesterday about how this guy is Paul Molitor, basically, mm -hmm. which is high praise yeah. for kids from the 70s and 80s. Because that was a guy, he'd just come up and he would just line drives. And he'd be like, line drives to the yeah, guy. He's single. just a fantastic Line drive. Hitter. Just like, there was no way to pitch to him. And that homer he yesterday was kind of Molitor-ish where... Um, it was a terrible pitch and he just golfed it out. He's in the MVP consideration. Yeah. And Soto is going to be, like you said, a rising star in the game. Adam Eaton's always hurt, so it's kind of easy to lose track of him. But when he's healthy, he's one of the most impactful all-around players. And then, of course, they've got, you know, basically the only top three rotation or right. one of the only top three rotations that could rival what the Astros would be able to put out if they get past... Uh, if, if they not only get past the race, but then but the Yankees. But some fun Strasburg. Yeah, Scherzer is always fun to root for. Strasburg's been cruising. I mean, Corbin had a really good season. They yeah, the Strasburg thing, like, you know, yeah. it didn't seem like it was going to totally happen. And then this year it finally happened. It's great. And I thought I thought him and Scherzer were both good. So I, I have the solution of, to fix Kershaw. Okay. But I want to talk about Dunkin' Donuts first. It's the go-to place. I saved this specifically for you, This this read. For a delicious on-the-go breakfast. Ooh, I love breakfast. They're introducing two new burrito bowls packed with savory, fiesta-worthy flavors. Wonderful. Full of scrambled eggs and fire-roasted veggies. Everything you want to eat in breakfast in a bowl, you can choose between a chorizo mm. or a fire-roasted veggie bowl. Chorizo has eggs, chorizo, cheese, onion, poblano peppers, red quinoa, 
brown rice topped with smoky tomato sauce. Wonderful. It's delicious. I ate it three days ago and I loved it. The fire roasted veggie burrito bowl has eggs, cauliflower, cheese, onion, bell peppers, corn, black beans, brown rice, chipotle sauce. It's basically a burrito without the actual burrito covering it. That sounds Um, great. They go great with a freshly brewed cup of original blend mm. or bold dark roast. I don't know if you've ever tried coffee. I love coffee. Oh, you've tried coffee? I love coffee. Oh, wait. You drink like three a day. Um, whether you're <laughs> headed to work, to school, to your kid's school, or wherever, Dunkin' has two tasty new ways to spice up your morning. Dig into the new burrito bowls from Dunkin'. A fiesta of flavor in a bowl. Okay. Is that the fix for Kershaw? Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Houston is the field of dreams for uh-huh. pitchers in their 30s. Yep. You go, you regain four miles an hour in your fastball and uh-huh. your strikeouts go way up. That's where he needs to go. The whatever magic little sauce they have there, uh-huh. Uh-huh. magic potion, <laughs> Yep. the Texas weather, Yeah. whatever's going on there, they know how to turn around Cy Young Award winners. Sure do. Guess who's from Texas? Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. High school teammates with Matt Stafford. Great stuff. I had one other idea for him. Mm-hmm. Hey, a little Chris Sale and Evaldi for um, Kershaw and a contract. What? Yeah, a little. I'll give. I'll get rid of some money and I'll take Kershaw's last two years back, and everybody's happy. Is everyone happy? I don't know. Just throwing it out. Interesting. He only has two years left, as you said, on yeah. the Dodger deal. He's only going to be thirty-three. You know, heading in your mid-ish thirties down to a Texas team, rehabilitate your arsenal. It's the Verlander script. Let's do it. I feel bad for the Dodger fans. Kurt Gibson's homer and that World Series. You were a young tyke at that point. I'm old enough to remember it. It was wonderful. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen in a baseball game. They win the World Series with the most garbage team anyone's ever won a World Series with. <laughs> I make fun of my Dodger fan friends about this all the time. It's an atrocious team statistically other than Hershiser. Um, They win the World Series and then just pain. Yeah. And yeah. then you look at the 21st century they are decades. the most tortured 21st century team now, I think. I think they've had the most body blows of anybody, any sport. Well, that's kind of a philosophical argument because it's worse it's worse to sit in first class that's and the then thing. get kicked out or right. thrown up yes. on or have shit thrown on you than to just be in coach and not know any better. Right. Is it ultimately worse to always suck and never make the playoffs so that you no. don't have the chance to lose in excruciating fashion or to constantly be there and just always come up short? You're in first class, you're eating your filet mignon, you're watching <laughs> a movie and then the steward is like, get the fuck out. Go to the back. Yeah. Like, what happened? Man. I was so happy. Real, um, real rich guy vibe from you right there. <laughs> thank you. Uh, four things left. Mallory's most intriguing. Okay, we'll keep the rest of them quicker because yeah. that was a long one. Next, this is for you. Yeah. Are we heading? Do we have to start asking if we're heading? Oh, I hope you're asking what I think you're going to ask. Is the word... Toward a is, Are the initials JG involved? <laughs> Jimmy G Super Yes! Ball. Kyle, turn your mic on. We have to at least ask if we're heading in this direction. I mean, the elites of the AFC and NFC right now, we should say, the Patriots play on Thursday night. So by the time this goes out in the world, it's possible that Danny Dimes will have taken down Not possible. <laughs> Tom Brady, assuming Eli's mantle of slaying the Patriot dragon, dare to dream. Is Eli, I, I just want a lot of chance at Eli tonight would be my only dream for that game. How many Eli sideline cam shots do you think we'll get? Like what's the over under on that? Is there a prop bet for that? There's got to be. That's 
it's fine. If they want to play it that way, that's fine. I just hope the Boston fans, hope the Massholes are out in full force. Kyle, who do you root for? Tom Brady versus Jimmy J? Tom Brady, Tom Brady. Tom okay, Brady. just want to make sure. Every other time. Kyle's Jimmy wearing an Irving Fryer jersey right now, so I wasn't so concerned about his so answer. Ready. He hates the Giants. Amazing outfit. Truly. So yeah, so Jimmy G, most yeah. handsome quarterback battle ever? Mm. Certainly up yeah. there. I mean, yeah. Maybe Kevin Kermeyer does the coin toss. <sighs> a personal favorite of mine. With Tyler from The Bachelor. <laughs> I'm not sure I could survive a moment like that, honestly. <laughs> Whew. Uh, I'm, not yeah. sure, I'm not sure I can survive thinking about a moment like that. So the Niners. Yeah. And they're going to come up a million dollar picks in a second. This is the real test this week. They're playing at yes, the Rams. Right. We're going to find out. We, every win they've had so far has been explainable explainable, and a team they should have beaten if they were good. Mm-hmm. Total different animal. Division rival on the road. Let's see it. And the offensive line injuries are really piling up. And fullback injury on top of it. So you're going to have a protection issue for Jimmy D. And the team you don't want to have a protection issue against is the Rams because Aaron Donald is on that defensive line. That could be a real problem. But if they're able to manage that and Jimmy and Shanahan can keep finding their rhythm together, Matt Breda is the fastest running back in football. And when he gets loose on one, it's mesmerizing to watch. Coleman is not slow either. No. Kittle is... Coleman looked good last week. Coleman did look good. Kittle is extraordinary, as we talked about last week. The D-line is playing well. They're a complete team. So the road the road is is tough from And they're actually on. well coached as opposed to most of the teams in the National Football League. They yeah. seem relatively well coached. Yeah. I also, this is a total snob thing. I'm 50. I get to say stuff like this now. The Niners are one of those teams I just kind of, it's more fun when they're good. Sure. Because I'm just used to being them being good. When they go 4-12 and 12 or they're rebuilding, it's just kind of like, eh. Yeah, I feel like I this- feel like the same way about Dallas. Like, I like when- I'd rather have Dallas be good than like terrible. Yeah, it's. I I think about this with college football all the time. You know, it's always fun when you get something like TCU coming in, you know, out of nowhere to challenge or various other examples. But the sport is ultimately a more interesting proposition when the blue blood when the blue bloods are playing like that. So like Texas, you know, having multiple years in a row of subpar performances is not actually a good thing for the sport. It, it ultimately isn't. The Niners are, are similar. And generations of fans, which I was like, yeah, you know, it's funny. Jerry Rice, who just people would have gone nuts for if he played now. Rice That's another endorser. one of those where people are like, who's the best receiver of all time? It's, is it Terrell Owens? It's mm-hmm. like, just leave. I don't want to talk to you. That's yeah. That's a, that's like, not really much the, of a debate. I hope not because I, is that I thought a Jordan. People have? No, I thought Jordan was just going to be unassailable, and now everybody's like, "Well, LeBron." I know it's only three titles, but Jerry Rice is so far ahead of everybody else, and he's by every, far the best receiver yeah. I've ever seen, and nobody's close. And a wedding crasher. And a wedding crasher. As, Ke- as Kevin Clark and those the teams world. are really good. I, I enjoyed all of it. The candlestick. It felt like a real achievement to beat them yeah. in candlestick was like a thing. Now they play in a shit stadium that nobody likes. Tough. What a, I mean, and also is like in the middle of nowhere and impossible to get to, which yeah. is like self-defeating. Yeah. If you're in the middle of nowhere, it should be, actually be easy to get to. You go and then you're doing like one-way routes around. Like, ah, oh, it's a nightmare. I hate that stadium. I, I can't say I've had the pleasure of experiencing it in person, but I have had the pleasure of reading a Roger Sherman article about how bad it is. It's terrible. It's almost the same thing. So, so Thomas Brady against James G. You're in and you're in if the Ravens are out of the whole thing. That's a fun Super Bowl for you. <laughs> if the Ravens are out of it. It just seems like the I mean the Patriots 
the only path that they have to worry about is basically midway through the playoffs. I mean, there's nothing stopping them in, in the regular season. The division is an embarrassment outside of the Bills. And the fun thing to think about is that once they get to the playoffs, Brady has the potential to face multiple prior backups, you know, because if they get a matchup with the Colts, Jacoby. you have the Jacoby Brissett, Brady <clears throat> Bowl, and then should the Niners advance on the NFC side, you could have Brady and Jimmy G. The Ni- I mean, the Niners path, this goes without saying, but is drastically more challenging. And their division's really good, too, The Seahawks I think. are legit. I mean, the yeah. Seahawks are 4-1. and one. Russell Wilson might be the MVP in the NFL right now. He certainly is mounting a convincing case. And you look at the Eagles, the Packers, the Saints, and then, you know, the the next tier of, of teams, and the Cowboys, maybe the Bears or Lions. I don't know if I'm quite ready to some, say that yet. We do but this every year. Somebody emerges around yeah, the Rams. mid-November. There will be somebody that comes late. a whole cluster of teams that the Niners are going to be fighting against. So Meanwhile, it's the to Patriots, our big thing is like, man, our field goal kicker can only kick at 48 yards. I actually complained about that to somebody. This what is if he has to kick a 50-yarder? One more comp between the Patriots and Alabama, between Belichick and Saban, your favorite. Not the that we needed another thing? comp. Yeah, like the only Achilles heel being the field goal kicker. So annoying. They're so also annoying. similar because Saban's a coward. and Oh, no, Bill Belichick's not a coward. I forgot. He stayed in the NFL. Anyway, what's your next thing? You're what's your next thing? You're unbelievable. Next one. Tank Bowl season has arrived. This will be something that we track regularly throughout the season. It's the season of the tank in the NFL. Trust the process has come to the NFL. And the Browns have not necessarily done what everyone thought they would do this season to maybe fully stamp that plan so that everyone else wants to mimic it. The Browns? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you still have... The Dolphins in a full-on tank, and then you have other teams that are maybe not intentionally tanking, but are still on their way to the result of a tank regardless. So we've got the Redskins at the Dolphins this week. The it's the poop factable. It's it's the Kendall Royce poop bed of it sure is. playoff games. It sure is. And no one is even bothering to clean up. They're just rolling up the sheets. Yeah. Maybe not even taking Kyle's earlier advice to flip the mattress. <laughs> that was great. Because we're going to have a lot of other tank bowl games coming and everyone's just going to keep shitting on the bad. So leave Washington, the mattress face up. Washington's favored by three and a half points in that game. They're horrible. They are horrible. They stink. I can't. That's how bad Miami is. Like they, they Washington up by three and a half against any other team is nuts. Getting credit maybe for the coaching change finally happening. Gruden got, maybe. Jay Gruden got canned. Bill Callahan. I mean, Bill Callahan. Taken over. <laughs> the Hall of Fame bad coach. <laughs> the, the the quotes that are coming out of He's a more, Washington camp this weekend are so unbelievable. Bad. Can't wait to bet against him. So many comments about quote unquote fundamentals oh, and get the here. run game. It's really wild. Go He's back a, and read the old Raiders stuff when they fell apart, like right after Gruden left within two years because he was so terrible. Yeah. He's already saying that Haskins isn't going to play. <laughs> You know, yeah. not not interested in assessing and building for the future. They're saying amazing. he's a thinking man's art show. <laughs> <laughs> so the win the the winless teams right now: Dolphins are on four, Redskins are on five, Jets are on four, Bengals are on five. And then you have that next tier of teams: Steelers one and four, Broncos one and four, but but Steelers hanging don't in their have games. Their, don't have their pick, so they might, they're going to be going for it. Well, another factor for the the Dolphins, of course, is that they have that pick. 
Falcons, one and four. Cardinals, one, three and one. So why does this matter ultimately? You have this game and then some of the ones to monitor the rest of the season. Jets at Dolphins week nine. Jets at Redskins week 11. Steelers at Bengals week 12. Jets at Bengals week 13. Jets at Dolphins week 14. Bengals at Dolphins week 16. It matters because, again, in a macro sense, the question of Ken tanking and what the Browns did over the last few years, work in the NFL is one of the dominant storylines in the sport, but also because we're heading into a potentially historic quarterback class draft. The 2020 draft, obviously you're tanking for Tua. Tua is the top pick, Alabama quarterback. What about Johnny Lawrence? Trevor Lawrence. I call him Johnny Lawrence. His name is Trevor. Johnny Lawrence. And he is he is neither named Johnny nor is he draft eligible this year. But he's a year away. I'm glad. Yes. But I'm glad you mentioned that because that's a factor for these teams. If you're not getting Tua and or you're one of the teams that is going to have a really high draft pick, but you also have a young franchise quarterback that you've recently drafted, whether that's Sam Darnold or you traded for Josh Rosen or you drafted Kyler Murray, whatever, whatever the example might be. Josh is Rosen. that a guy? Josh Rosen quietly playing decently, by the way, and like sure. his the pass catchers on that team are not worthy of the the, the label pass catchers because the amount of drops is just abhorrent. Do you maybe wait a year? Do you oh. maybe wait a year and go for the Trevor Lawrence draft instead? But the thing about this Tua class is that there's unbelievable depth behind him. Jalen Hurts, the Alabama transfer who lost his job to Tua and is now at Oklahoma. He's my age. Third, third guy in a row who is going through the Lincoln Riley machine, yeah. transferring into the program, maybe going to win a Heisman, maybe going to be a top draft pick. Obviously, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray were the prior two. Jalen will be a first round draft pick and might work his way into being a top 10 pick based on how he's playing now. Jake Fromm, the Georgia quarterback. I like Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm is good. Doesn't like to throw the ball more than like five yards at a time, he's but the, he's the plenty new, of teams are into Derek that. Carr. Jacob Eason, who Jake Fromm took the job from at Georgia. Yeah. And then Jacob Eason, prior elite recruit, transferred to Washington. He's one to watch. He will work his way back up into draft, high, high draft consideration. I guarantee it. He's a classic NFL measurables guy. Justin Herbert, the Oregon guy, who many people said would have gone number one last year, and then which I did not think was true or made sense, but people said that. And then he decided to go back to school. He's a classic. Is he too tall guy? Robert Mays is obsessed with him and thinks he's too tall. He's six, seven. That's never worked. That's too tall. It is. It is actually too not tall. Happening. And then Joe Burrow is one to watch. He's the LSU quarterback who's had an incredible start to the season so far and is working his way into the consideration. So that is a very rich. So you like all prospects. the quarterbacks. It's a okay. great quarterback class. So it's a good time to be a bad team. Well, the problem for most of these teams is that they're so terrible. They don't really have a choice if they're tanking. Washington, Miami, there will be a choice made in that game by one of the two sides. When to, when to sabotage. It's a game you don't want to win. We'll see. That game might be on the TVs Sunday, Kyle. I'll watch it with you. It's going to be fascinating. Excited. All right, what's fascinating. next? On the opposite end of the spectrum, a game you definitely want to watch because it's going to be hopefully really good, not because it's going to be awful. We're getting Mahomes versus Watson this yeah. week. That's an incredible treat if you're a football fan. Now, it will be inherently fun regardless of any links between the players, but we have that extra juicy deliciousness of the fact that they are linked because they were part of the same draft class, the 17 class. We can't. Wait a second. Did you know that Mitch Trubisky was picked ahead of them? <laughs> we can't. We can't talk about that without mentioning Biscuit, of yeah, course. The Trubiskaholics are going to come after us. The Bears, of course, traded up to number two to draft Biscuit ahead of 
Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Never forget. Never forget. Hashtag never forget. (laughs) The Chiefs took Mahomes at 10 and the Texans took Watson at 12. Ugh. They're facing off in the NFL. The teams played last preseason, I, I think. They played in 17, but and Watson was playing in that game, but Mahomes hadn't, obviously wasn't playing in his actual rookie season. There's Alex been some Tyreek Hill. Some buzz. He might. So we might see him. Yeah, he, he's a lot of, lot of sideline cam shots of him recently. The health reports, it seems like he's getting close to returning. I think the more germane question for the Chiefs right now is what is the status of Patrick Mahomes' health? Because... They lost on Sunday Night Football to the Colts, and right he was did. hurt to your to your Indianapolis Colts. He the ankle injury is, was really affecting him in that game. He was not the same passer after the ankle injury, and he's still Patrick Mahomes. He's still the best quarterback in football. Sorry to both of you and Tom Brady, but I just never in my life remember a Tom Brady excuse after a home loss. I don't remember Tom Brady like, "Oh man, ankle hurt." Well, you know who doesn't talk about pain? Tom Brady. I don't remember Patrick Mahomes saying that either. I remember Tom Brady winning Super Bowls <laughs> after he'd been concussed. Yeah. Is, that, is that the yeah. is that the model? Uh, I'm just saying. We're suspended, honestly. Suspended? <laughs> Said so many terrible things thrown at him. Do you hear complaining? No. Patrick Mahomes he, had an entire ballers plot line devoted to him. Talk about a terrible thing being thrown at you. Yeah. Is that the last one this week? Yeah. Is that your last one? Your no, last it's thing? not, but well, it will be let's a get pop to the last culture one, item. We it go. will be a pop culture item. So we're we're fired up for Mahomes Watson. Can't wait. It's just a treat right. for football What's fans. The last one? I think the, the last thing on that, by the way, is just that with Mahomes coming off two down weeks and Watson coming off the best game that he's had without getting sacked, finally they were able to protect him and he threw five touchdowns and looked incredible. You have this MVP dialogue building in the sport where Mahomes still the leader, but trending down, not for long, but trending down. Watson trending up, and all of that is against the backdrop of the Russ Wilson and Christian McCaffrey. Can mm. they do it? You like all debate. these MVP candidates. I love it. It's great stuff. Number yeah. one. Number five. Number five. Succession finale this weekend. Yeah. Folks. We're saying goodbye to season two of a show that we cherish. Who will the blood sacrifice be? Will we see Jerry and Roman fuck? What piece of furniture will Kendall defecate on when he's not supposed to. They're going to be on a yacht, it looks like, for much of the episode. I've never not enjoyed a TV show that had a giant yacht. I can't wait. So I would say... What are you looking forward to most? I would say minus 140 odds, Tom is the blood sacrifice. Okay. I would say plus 120, um, Kendall. Okay. And I would say uh, plus 200, Cousin Greg. Okay, I think they want you to think that it's going to be Tom or Greg. They did the they did the shot of Kendall. Yes. On the TV as he talked about the sacrifice. Yes, and there's a, a, a very quick shot of him in the teaser for the finale where his face is visibly quivering and he looks extremely upset. We, we talked about this when we discussed Succession with House a few weeks ago, but they have yet to return to the fact that Marsha and her son were in the room with Logan and Kendall in the season one finale for the the infamous you're my number one boy moment when yeah. they were openly discussing Kendall uh, being responsible for the death of a young man. Marsha, God, we're role, spoiler alerting the hell out of this. That was last year. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, America. I, I, sorry. Watch Succession. <laughs> it's for your own good. <laughs> if... <laughs> Marsha's role this season has basically been that she's the spurned partner, right? Logan is having an affair. 
Marsha's going up to Rhea and saying, are you, are you regularly tested for like genital warts because I still fuck my husband, by the way? Just yeah. incredible stuff. Because my 5'5 five, five husband is still bringing the thunder. <laughs> the Logan Roy stamina, you know, they say he's like a planet and they mean it in more ways than one, folks. She has to come back in in some way and mm. wreck shit. And so she has the ability to put Kendall on blast and use that to leverage the outcome that she wants, whether that's by making Kendall the blood sacrifice or by forcing Logan to try to protect him in some way and protect that information for the sake of the company. So I do think it could be one of them. The teaser is trying to make us think it will be Logan, but who knows if that's misdirection. I'm just, I'm fascinated to see how it all comes together. I hope everyone's okay. I'm rooting for Roman. I'm rooting for our, our boy, Roman. The necrophiliac. <sighs> You're meant to be dead is... The- the, a wannabe necrophiliac, to be fair. It's role play. It's, it's role a play. Necrophiliac role player. It's role play. And as you know, as he tried to express, if everybody could just get past their inhibitions and these these like restrictive social norms and just embrace pretending to stay alive during sex. Being an open-minded partner. It's been a phenomenal season. I thought last episode was pretty weak. I did not mm-hmm. understand Roman in a foreign country or what was going on there. That was but confusing. I'm excited. I think. They're almost one. They're saving all the gusto for this one. So, all right, I, we have I hope to go. it's going to be good. That's it. Mallory's yeah. most intriguing. How's binge bone Star Wars going? It's going, man. We're, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll be, uh, we'll be, we'll be sharing a, a launch date pretty soon. You oh. know, when it's cool, but not the coolest. There you go. All right, we'll see you next week. All right, Shay's coming up in one second. First, I am teaming up with FanDuel to give you a chance to play fantasy football against me, Sal, the trifecta. I mean, how can you turn that down? The best part, the winner gets to fly out to Puerto Rico to be our official correspondent for FanDuel's World Fantasy Football Championship Live Finals. All expenses paid trip, four days worth of WFFC events in Puerto Rico, an exclusive beach after party with a live performance by Ludacris. Sounds like Kyle should go to this. Go to FanDuel.com slash ringer to enter and draft your week six fantasy team before the games kick off on Sunday. I did terrible. Last week, but um, you know who's going to be on my team this week, Kyle? Who? Gerald Everett, the Rams tight end. Really? I feel like he's coming into his own. I picked him up on both of my teams. He will be on my FanDuel team as well. I like that guy. I like how hard he plays too, but he makes big plays. Remember, you can play against me, Sal, and the Trifecta in the Ringer Listener League on FanDuel. Come, join us. FanDuel.com slash Ringer. Doesn't matter if you missed last week, you can still take home the top prize. FanDuel.com slash Ringer. All right, we're going to do million-dollar picks first, then we'll bring in Shay. All right, we had to bump house this week, but he's fine because we bumped him for Shay Serrano, and he loves Shay Serrano. Million-dollar picks really quickly. God, we got killed last week. We lost every pick. Why? Bears, Patriots, tees as covered on Sunday. Um, tough one. We lost Jags plus three and a half. We lost Tampa plus three. We had the Colts plus 11, but we had it with the over. The game did not go over. It was bad. We lost... Uh, Almost $1,100 last week. We are down to minus 235 for the season. Thousand. It's all coming back this week. We have four home favorites. I like the home favorites this week. I really like this week. Number one, Jacksonville at home. One and a half against New Orleans. I've watched both of these teams um, a lot the first five weeks. Outdoors. I believe in Minshew. I think this is the week that people are going to be like, holy shit, Nick Foles is never going to play for Jacksonville again. Teddy Bridgewater was good last week. I'm still not 100% sold on him, especially outdoors. I think the Jags are going to be 
Um, you know, this is basically the division's going to get away from them if they don't win this game. This is a must win for them. Not really a must win for New Orleans. I know every game's a, a whatever, but um, I think people are a little high in New Orleans right now. As much as I like them, I think they're a top five team. Something about this game, I like the one and a half. It feels like it should be Jacksonville by two and a half. It's Jacksonville by one and a half. I feel like I'm getting free value. I think this is a field goal game. I like Jacksonville. So mark that one down. Rams minus three over San Francisco for all the reasons we mentioned um, with Mallory a few minutes ago. The Rams, they're in another must-win situation. They're coming off two straight losses. They're home. They're playing a division rival, a division rival who hasn't really played anybody. And I still believe in this Rams team. I'm going to throw away the Tampa game. I haven't liked the way their corners played the last two weeks, but I'm also not sure it's going to matter in this game. I'm not sold on the San Francisco receivers. We have seen them playing with leads pretty early in these games. They haven't really played. We haven't seen them really have to play from behind yet uh, in a significant way. And I just believe in the Rams, especially 10 days to prepare. This is a kitchen sink game, in my opinion. And watch out for Gerald Everett, who I mentioned before, because I think he's emerging into uh, something major for them. So that's the second one. Broncos minus two over Tennessee. I can't believe I'm betting on Joe Flacco, but this is more of a bet against Marcus Mariota. Um, and just and just in general, I don't think the Titans are good. I think this line should be Broncos by three or Broncos by three and a half. If you look at the games that they've played this year, they're one and four. Every team they've played is good. Like even that Raiders loss that seemed terrible in week one doesn't seem as terrible now. You know, they had... The, the Bears and the Jags and like uh, everybody they've played has been pretty competent. They finally took care of business last week and I'm not quite sure they're out of this yet. They're one and four. Some There's going to be a funky nine and seven or 10 and six AFC team that makes the playoffs. I don't think it's going to be the Broncos, but you know, they're a must win scenario every game from now on. I think Tennessee is one of those teams if they fall behind, it's over. And I'm not sure how long Mariota has for them because he was really bad last week. Last one, Minnesota minus three over Philly. So to recap, I've somehow talked myself into Kirk Cousins and Joe Flacco. It's fine. I believe in the home teams with the defense. And I think the Broncos of Minnesota are similar in this respect. If they can get a lead, they can take care of it. Um, Minnesota, you know, you look at Philly. Philly's had some bad losses. Um that Atlanta loss looks horrible now because Atlanta's just bad. Even you look at the Green Bay thing, I think they might have lost that game if Devontae Adams didn't get hurt. Not sure about Philly yet. I am sure that Minnesota, at least as talented and at home, if they have a lead, can kind of take care of business. The, the rub with this is if they fall behind, you start sweating it out. But here's what I'm going to do. Here's where the money's going. 350K on the Rams minus three over San Francisco. That leaves me with 650 to play with on the other ones. I'm going to go 250 on the Broncos, minus two, over Tennessee. And I'm going to go 200 on Jacksonville, minus one and a half, and Minnesota, minus three. That adds up to a million dollars. We're winning it this week. Here we go. Shea Serrano coming up right now. All right, Shay's coming in one second. Wanted to mention the Google Assistant, ready to help you get more done with just your voice in the car at home, everywhere you take your phone. You can personalize the way you interact with the Assistant when completing tasks. 
For instance, if I say, hey, Google, remember that Joe House is house. Then when I need to get him on the phone fast, I can just say, hey, Google, call house. Wake him up. I have to talk to him. Uh, a little help, hands-free. Just say, hey, Google, to get started. All right, it's Shay time. Shay Serrano here. His new book called Movies and Other Things that came out this week. He's on a little book tour. I don't know how we were able to book him, but we pulled it off. <laughs> Congrats on the new book. The first book on the Ringer Books imprint, we should mention. The first book, yes. I know Very you're proud. more excited to remember the Titans on the rewatchables, even though you're still mad at me and remember. I've, but I've, this is a good consolation press. I'm still, yeah, I'm still very upset. I've been commiserating with my Remember the Titan friends over email about how much we dislike both of y'all right now. So there's some tension. If there's tension in the room right now, that's what it is. We we were hard on the movie at the very beginning, but then we were really nice about the movie the whole way. I got a couple oh, yeah, emails yeah. from people like, hey man, you guys killed that movie. I was like, no, we didn't. This is like- We just you, mentioned all of the all of the truth flaws. So here's the thing. There's, a, there's like a psychological phenomenon called the primacy recency effect. I learned about this when I was in school. Yeah. And if you're going to bash something, you do it in the middle. You don't show up and bash it because people remember and you don't end with the bashing. You do it in the middle because people forget that part. You show up nice, mean, nice. Okay. And you showed up mean and now we're never going to forgive you. I'm, I'm sorry. Remember the Titans fans. <laughs> we're doing a gimmick that we were talking about. Um, fictional movie events that we wish we could have seen in person. Correct. It, it's mostly sports, but it doesn't necessarily totally always have to be sports. No. It, but I think it, it, it should be, be have some sort of competitive bent. Yeah, absolutely. This this is the thing you asked in passing during Bloodsport, the Bloodsport podcast, and I've not stopped thinking about it since. And I think that this is like a good example of the way that, I don't know, I always feel like I'm chasing you in this respect where you just will real quickly come up with a thing that it would have taken me six hours to think of. <laughs> And you said it in there, and I was so mad after you said it because I was like, "This should have been jealous. A, this should have been a chapter in the." I was insanely jealous. Put it in the paperback. Yeah, I mean, I mean I, you I already wanna, have a paperback. I don't want to like, steal edition. your idea, but I wanted to steal your idea. I feel like I've done this before in a mailbag in like 1892, <laughs> before pre-internet. I did okay. some version of this. I made my list. You made yours. Do mine. you want to go? You want to go? You do one. I do one. Do you want to say we're ranking these? No, we're just gonna pick like these are the these these are the three that I would like to go to. I've got okay. a, I got a few to I got I like have a, six. Okay, I've got a bunch, but some of them I'm just sort of throwing out there for the I would like to watch for the spectacle. Great. I, I All right, really what's your first one? It. All right, I I want to watch the Running Man competition. Let oh, me, let me. We're gonna just start in a very dark corner. Yeah, I'm gonna watch some people get killed. I've never seen a person get Are you killed. in the running man or you're just a viewer? No, absolutely you're, you're, not. you're like courtside seats. I, I want to be like one of the rich people cheering, like, yeah, let's kill all these poor people. I want to be on that <laughs> side of the equation for once. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, that's one Because it is a movie. You're allowed to do that. Yes. My first one, I have six. <laughs> and I could add more. I think the the original Longest Yard, 1974, Burt Reynolds, which got, is one of my favorite on my movies list. ever. Just prisoners against the guards. Great idea. Great atmosphere. Mm -hmm. You have an all male crowd. So you have like even the cheerleaders had to be there. It's just the, the vibe of that had to have been nuts. There's guns. It's dangerous. Yes. The game's being fixed. And then all of a sudden it's not being fixed. Right. And then the last play of just, it's called the longest yard for a reason, Shay, where Paul Crew, he goes right, he goes left, he jumps over, he gets it. And then really almost get shot and killed at the end. <laughs> All of that would have been amazing to see. It would have been very fun to watch. It would have felt, I imagine, what it feels like today to go to like a UFC event. 
Like that's the exact same kind of, we're probably going to try to start a fight on the way out of here. So good. Such a great idea for a movie. Yes. And I actually think you can make that. I want to do this in the rewatchables at some point. You can make a case that that movie created sports movies. All There's right. a, a legitimate before and after where kind of the script of the underdogs battling some sort of evil force. Mm-hmm. Now we're in Iraqi. Now we're into Slapshot. And it's just over and over again of the underdog that is able to get their shit together. It just hadn't really happened right. until that movie. All right, what's your next All one? All right, I'm in on that one. I had that one on my list. I'm going to take that one off my list. Uh, I'm going to go, again, this is a movie and I don't have to worry about like the moral implications of murder. I want to watch Commodus versus Maximus in Gladiator. Oh, I want to see that one. big, I need to see that fight. I need to see the Spaniard whose whose wife and ch- child were murdered by the evil. Like This is assuming we have the backstory here and I can sit there and like, you know, Bob Ryan was covering this at the time and I, and right. I, and I know all of the details. I, I, I would like to see this. So you would have rather been at that one and not Russell Crowe going when when like tigers are involved, when he just cleans house mm-hmm. and then he's like, you will reveal yourself. And he takes his mask. Right. He's like, I am Maximus. I will avenge my whatever, whatever. I haven't seen it in a while, but you yeah. wouldn't rather have been at that one, the reveal? No, that no. It's Maximus all along. You want the, the ending. I want to show up after the whole story has been laid out for me. Got it. Um, I don't want to be like surprised at the end. I want to enjoy I want to enjoy all of the pieces. I want to hear about this, this gladiator who decided to take on the the horde by himself to save his men, and he just murders every. I want to hear it's good this, the the rumor building up about this guy, and then find out that this is who it is—the person we all thought was dead—and now he's going to take on the emperor. Yeah, sign me up for that. That's one. a good one. Right. The internet the next day would have been interesting with that Ooh, fight. Would have gone nuts, you know, because Maximus dies. It's like he does, and in his like, last, does that count as a win when he died immediately after? I don't know. In his last bit of life, frees his men. <laughs> right. Come on, my next one. I'm going to Vision Quest, another '80s Ooh. movie. Ooh. The greatest wrestling movie of all time okay. by far. One of the great premises of a sports movie we've had. There's this undefeated, incredible wrestler in Washington, the state Washington, not Washington, D.C., shoot, Brian Shoot. Mm-hmm. Loudon Swain is about to be a senior. He wrestles at some higher higher weight level. I can't remember. I think he's at 190. He's up there. And the he's like, guy. I'm dropping weight to fight Shoot. Mm-hmm. I'm getting down to 168. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't get down to 168. He's like, <laughs> I'm fucking doing it. Nobody's beating Shoot. And this whole movie, he's losing weight. He falls in love with somebody who moves in this house. This movie's awesome. Uh-huh. But it all leads to the big fight and all everybody who cares about him is there. Shoots unbeatable. And then it's like, but I covered wrestling a few times when I worked for uh, the Boston Herald. And if you're at the right high school wrestling thing, it's really intense. It's yeah. really great. And that one specifically, him coming back from five points the last 30 seconds left like that. Yeah. Sign me up. Where Where is the, so like high school football in Texas is like the thing. Yeah. Where is it? Where is high school wrestling? I imagine there's like a pocket where this is all we're worried about. Oh, that's interesting. I I always thought it was like like little East Coast pockets and it's, little West it Coast seems pockets. Like Northeast. But it's like how like lacrosse is a Baltimore sport uh-huh. and stuff like that. I don't really know where the wrestling pocket is. All I know is thank God it's not in California because my son would have been doing it from like age two. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah, God. Because he right. would get those weird every, ears. You get every those, story I've heard about Ben Simmons leads me to believe. It's going to happen anyway. It's gonna, yeah. He's headed right. in that direction. What's your next one? <laughs> in that direction. Uh, you know what? I, uh, I'm i stuck between these two. I'm stuck between either the Space Jam basketball game or the uh, Happy Gilmore versus Shooter McGavin. I think I'm going Happy versus Shooter 
because well, it, an amazing ending. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, he's gonna put around the the obstruction. You've, there's a giant in there. There's like a there's enough. I, I, I'm really interested in like the stories that have the most build up into it. Space Jam is like, oh, we're it's cartoons and aliens and like I don't know. There's a little too much going on there. Is it cartoon Shay or real Shay at that game? I hope it would be cartoon me. Yeah, and I could just fucking. <laughs> yeah, I would be. I would find. I would for real. Cartoon Shay is six foot three. That's like my <laughs> lie on the internet. But my cartoon avatar. After I've never been playing like you know two K and building my character. I'm like, let me make him five seven. By the way, speaking happens. of giant Latinos, big night for you last night. Big night, Bill. Big night. So I, you, I can't believe it. So I you, was the most excited person in your life about this. I imagine you were. So you, you've done the book signing thing. They show up. There's like a line of people. Yeah. Somebody's handing you a book and it's got like a posted note with a name written on there. This is the best part of this thing. The, the, a woman hands a, a, sets a book down on a table. I get it. I look at the post-it note and it says, they wrote Popeye on the post-it note, Bill. Popeye on the post-it note. So your head jerks up. You're so like, it's head, not really Popeye. I'm like, how many people can be named Popeye? And I look up and he's standing right there. Popeye from Blood In, Blood Out. Your favorite movie. My favorite movie of all time. Uh, one of the most interesting characters in the movie. And I lost my shit. Like it was, like I was totally, all the way completely starstruck. The day before I had met uh, Donald Faison, Turk from Scrubs, also one of my favorites. And I thought I was starstruck in that moment. I love that guy. But seeing Popeye in real life, like I, I was shaking I, was, my, I could feel my heart beating. He just showed up. I love him. Thank if you. this doesn't get blood in, blood out on a streaming, Amazon, Hulu, no, Netflix, one about. of you I'm losers. I'm starting my own streaming service. Let's go this way. I think this is fair. Amazon, are you racist? <laughs> Why are you streaming blood in, blood out? It's a popular, successful movie. All right. Bobby, Billy Bob Thornton was on my podcast saying he's a hero in the Latino community because he was in that movie. Amazon, where are you? You don't care about Latin America? Come on, Amazon. Get it together. What the hell? What the hell? You don't care about Mexico? You don't care about Mexican-Americans? <laughs> Stream that movie. Uh, next one for me. The Kumite Ooh. semifinals. Not semifinals. the finals. Ray Jackson versus Chong Lee? No, this is semifinals. This is Chong oh, Lee kills going. a guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, this yeah, yeah, yeah. Frank Ducks gets yeah. through. Quarterfinals, I'm thinking, yeah. Yeah, right. Frank Ducks gets through. And then right away, I get another match, and Chong Lee kills a guy. Oof. And then I get to turn my back on him with everybody mm -hmm. else and mm -hmm. just say the prayer or whatever. All right. That's and Chong Lee tells me to fuck off, and he storms off. I want to be at that one. That's a good pick because you're, you're actively engaged in it. The, the back turning is like... It's great. You want to be able to say you turned your back on Chong. Yeah. When then I'm then I'm trying to get tickets for the finals, like the whole thing. But <laughs> semis are where it's at. Yeah, yeah. That's like a that's, that's like my argument that I think game six is better than game seven. Yeah. Because there's one more afterward. Yeah. yeah. It's All the, right. it's the it's the uh, anticipation. The other one I have in that respect is uh, I was trying to pick which Rocky fight I would want to be at the most, mm -hmm. and it really comes down to this. He ended the Cold War. He really did. He did. What's the other one you're choosing? I mean, like if you're arguing in I your think, head. I think Rocky too would have been amazing. Yeah. Because he actually wins the belt and mm -hmm. it's in Philly and there's, you know, there's the hype for it. And he actually comes whispers, through. He it's a better fight than Rocky one. won. Yeah. Rocky won, he's just getting the shit kicked out of him for like 13 rounds. Uh -huh. um, but I think going to Russia, I think Rocky winning over the Russian crowd, which is still the most improbable scene in the history of movies. Unbelievable uh, moment. The guy from the top coming down, yelling at him, and Drago lifting the guy up and throwing him. In a boxing, that's hard to yeah, grab somebody in a boxing by the throat. Glove. 
And then, uh, and then the, if I can change, you can change. Everyone can change speech. Yes. And, pe- and Russians chanting for Rocky. I would have liked to have been there. there. And there's so much baked into that one. You have his best friend getting killed. Yeah. By the guy. You have Rocky. I always forget about this until I, I rewatch it. He was a, the champ at the time. And he's like, I won't, I'm vacating my title to fight this guy. It's a whole. I'm doing it for free. He vacates the title and fights for free. That's how much he wanted this to This was fight. not the player empowerment era. No, 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 no. Not no. at all. It was a bad job by him. He should have <laughs> made a lot more money. <laughs> that's a that's a good pick. I'm so gonna, what do you got? I'm going to piggyback off of off of that one. Um, you're going to watch that one. I want to see Baby Creed versus Baby Drago. Mm. Creed 2, mm. that fight. Because in this one, you already have the baked in history of the, the, the Drago Creed family. But also, a thing that I forget until I rewatch it, is that Creed should, I mean, uh, Creed should have lost the first fight to Drago, he won on a technicality. You know, Drago hit him while he was down. So everybody's already talking shit that Drago should be the champion. You're going to have to like rebuild yourself. You're going in here, your ribs are shattered to dust. Yeah. You're just fighting this fucking horse of a guy. I would, I would like to be there for that one. It's a good one. Cause baby Drago is arguably the most imposing person Oof. who's ever boxed in oh, a movie. But just a, He's one of those where you're watching like, oh, nobody would actually beat this guy. No, not in real all. life. Um, my number two, my runner-up choice, the All Valley Karate, nineteen eighty-four. All right, I knew it has to be on here so, somewhere. I'm waiting for it. I was waiting. For not it. only do you get the incredible final match, but you also get the disappointment before that final match of just a complete cheap shot knocks Daniel Sun out. That's big. And then you, it's you like think it's oh. over at that point. And then it's like, all right, should we stay for the trophy celebration? Uh-huh. They're going to give these assholes the trophy. They clearly maimed Daniel Sun intentionally. You're all standing around. Ah, let's wait. We'll this is, just this wait. is how I know the Americans are less noble than the Asians because nobody turned their back on Johnny like they did Chong Lee. In the Kumite, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, happened. I mean, we don't, we'll never know because he didn't actually get the trophy celebration. Yeah. So we're waiting. It's like, all right. And then it's like, what? Elizabeth Shue Daniel runs LaRusso's out. Daniel LaRusso's going to fight. Oh, I love that line. What a moment. And then he comes out. It's If you're there, you're like, wow, this is the single greatest thing that ever could have happened to me at a high school event. Leaving, leaving early right there is like leaving at, like when uh, what was it? Mark Wahlberg left at halftime of the Super Bowl or the Ray Allen shot it, or the Ray. I mean, we have to talk about that one. We could have said like a thousand other ones. Yeah, yeah. You could just left that one out. With the Ray Allen shot. Sorry about that. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I'm throwing you a compliment, and here you come over the top as usual. All right, I got a good one for you. I knew this one wasn't going to come up. I'm excited about it. Also a karate tournament. This is the martial arts tournament, 1989, America mm. versus Korea. Oh yeah, best of the best. I don't like this, though, because I Ale- think he should have finished them. Alex Grady, Tommy Lee, Travis, Virgil, Sonny, Ahmad Rashad is a broadcaster. It's great. Fight, fight. Tommy Lee has to fight against the guy who killed his brother in a similar tournament. Finish him. I, he no mercy. Him. He would have killed him. It's got to happen. No, because Dehan shows up. Dehan is the guy he, he's fighting. Dehan shows up in part two to help. We need that moment. I don't feel like best of the best has had the legs that it should have. It should have, absolutely. Eric Roberts, like, I don't know Eric why, Roberts is phenomenal in this movie. I don't know why Bloodsport's had, Bloodsport had legs. Best of the best, not the same legs. Oh, because you have Jean-Claude To me, Claude it's like Van 1A, Damme. 1B. No, I get it, but at the very least, it should have at least drafted on the fumes. We should yeah, be talking about that the year in a tandem. After. Yeah. Karate movies are like a big thing. Um, I, I love this moment. I love him letting Dehan live. I love like, because they, they, they give you like a glimpse of it early in the movie before he 
knocks the guy out with the kick. He does like a little foot turn and it, yeah. his face hardens and he does the exact same thing. And then Eric Roberts is on the sideline. Just go like, no, no, Tommy. Coach, no. And he just wait. And you're watching. Even now, I'm still expecting him to kick him in the chest to just fucking kick the heart out of his back. Yeah. And he doesn't do it. And he drops his head. And that would be like cool enough. But then at the end, you have this beautiful moment where Dehan comes limping over and he puts the medal on him and he apologizes for killing his brother. And it's just like, oh, wow, this is beautiful. We got so, layers on this one. It's a good one. I have one more runner up that right. I just thought of as we were talking about this. Okay. That I should have mentioned earlier, but I'll put it here. The final scene in 1982, Bad Boys, when Sean Penn Sean, and oh, yeah, Esai okay. Morales yeah. end up in the same juvenile detention center. Sean Penn has inadvertently murdered Esai Morales' little brother uh -huh. in a in a car accident after he hijacked, uh, right. he stole some liquor thing. Esai Morales got his revenge by sexually assaulting Sean Penn's girlfriend. Mm -hmm. A little rough. I, maybe Tough watch. Would have maybe done that part Tough differently. Tough watch. But they end up in the same juvie thing and they're trying to transfer Esai Morales out on the night he's about, the day before he's about to go that night. Mm -hmm. He goes to kill Sean Penn. Sean Penn's waiting for him. Incredible fight. I would now the, the catch here is you would yeah. have to be one of the juvie yeah. people to actually witness the fight. Mm -hmm. At the same time, amazing. Because it's leading the whole movie's leading up to the fight for an hour and a half. That's a that's a that's a good pick if we're just adding in prison fights that we can watch though. That's I, my favorite prison fight I would have wanted to be there. Why, why, what is yours I, different? I've got two different ones. I've okay. got number one, Death Warrant. Jean-Claude Van Damme oh, versus wow. the Sandman. Okay. Uh, I want to see that one. He like kicks him into a furnace. Yeah. And then the guy comes back out and keeps fighting. Uh, I also want to see Wesley Snipes and Bing Rames. Undisputed. Yeah. Underground boxing in prison. Terrible movie. Great last 20 minutes. You don't have to like, you don't have to be a prisoner in that one. You could just be like a rich guy. True. Wandering in. Good point. All right. What's your last one? My last one. This is the one I'm most excited about. So much backstory here. Game seven, Racing Bells versus Rockford Peaches. Dottie and May. A League mean, of Their da Own? Da Dottie and Kit, A League of Their Own. Dueling sisters. Dottie, league MVP, unstoppable force. Kit, underdog, maybe an all-star, like borderline all-star. They're on the same team. Dottie has a, Dottie asked to be traded after they get in a big fight. The team is like, we would never trade you. You're the MVP. They, they trade Kit. It starts this whole war. Yeah. They're just going back and forth. Tom Hanks is the coach. They somehow both of those teams end up in the World Series. Dottie ditches the team before the World Series starts. She misses games one, two, three, four, five, six. Shows up for game seven. Kit happens to be the starting pitcher in this game. Uh, Dottie's team is down two, one to zero in the Point eighth breaks, inning. Lori Petty. Lori Petty. Is she phenomenal. Point Breaks Lori Petty or a League of Their Own she's Lori Petty team? Own. Lori Petty. She's not Point Breaks Lori Petty? I don't Petty? think so, no. I feel like, to me, she's Point Breaks Lori Petty, but go ahead. So, Dottie is at the plate, two runs on, hits a, you know, go-ahead run to put him up. She hits a fucking screamer right at Kit, almost takes her head off. Kit has a breakdown in the dugout. Dottie is like, oh my God. Then we have Dottie throwing the game. She loses this on purpose. Uh, for for the for in racing's favor, I, I, there's so much in this moment. I feel like it's fifty percent on purpose and fifty percent the younger sister just wanted it more. She wanted it more, but but there's there's too much evidence suggesting otherwise. I wrote this down. I'm gonna go through it real quick. Okay, here's here's the evidence. Number one, there are multiple times in the movie that Dottie explains she doesn't love baseball. It's just things she happens to be good at. She's like, you know, one of these like uh, I don't know, I don't know the the like basketball equivalent 
of this. But I don't love baseball. It's just a thing that I like. All right, cool. There's one. Kit loved baseball. This was like her life. Number two, uh, in the beginning of the movie, her daughter, Kit, uh, Dottie's an older woman. Kit, um, they're trying to get her to go to the Hall of Fame thing. And she's like, there's a lot of reasons I can't go, which to me implies yeah. one of these reasons I threw the game. Uh, as she's walking to her car, she tells the two, two younger kids are playing basketball together. And she tells the, one of the kids, like, he's smaller than you. You have to give him a chance to shoot. Like, you have to tilt it in there. Like, they're, oh. they're giving you enough here. Also, um, you think the internet would write pieces about, like, was Dottie a quitter? What's her legacy? Oh, absolutely. Stephen A. Smith's hammering her on first take? For sure. Um, there's a precedent. The exact same play happens earlier in the movie. Yeah. Dottie at the plate protecting it. Third base runner comes around, and this other runner is a good 40 pounds heavier than Kit and is just trucking, smashes into her. Dottie is a bank vault. The ball is not coming out. Yeah. Dottie's too strong. And, and then also, there, there's a very clear moment. Dottie sees Kit having the breakdown in the dugout. And I think right then is when she knows, like, all right, if I get the chance, I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to be a quitter. I'm going to be a quitter. I'm going to get, I'm going to let Kit have her moment. And that was the end of Dottie's baseball career. You'd have rather been at that game than Kumite? I think so. Because it's just more buildup. Like, oh my God. There's like seven oh my God moments. Like, oh my God, <laughs> Kit's back. Oh my God. What about, oh my God, Chung Lee killed a guy? I mean, that's a big one. <laughs> I already have enough fighting ones though. Like, I, I, I want a I full series. Here's my number one. You, you're probably me. not a fan of this movie. Give it to me. The final game of victory was Sylvester Stallone. 1982 soccer movie. This is what you picked for your last yeah. one? Oh, Let, my God. All right. Talk you me through it. You just picked The League of Their Talk Own. Talk me through it. A League of Their Own is an incredible movie. Go We're ahead. in World War II. Okay. <laughs> I forgot about that. We All have right. Nazis. <laughs> okay. We have allies in prison. High stakes. They decide to boost the morale of the allies. They're going to have a soccer game. and They're mm -hmm. going to put in this big-ass stadium. They give the allies like malnourished people from Poland, all this stuff, because they don't want them to have a good team. Mm -hmm. The allies plan an escape. Pele is on this team. Pele, <laughs> the greatest soccer player of all time. He has to act. He has You're making a good case right now. They go to the game. At halftime, they're going to escape. Sly Stallone is now the goalie because he's the person who could do the mistake. So they convince the Irish goalie to break his arm. So he's out. Yeah. Because it's the moral of this movie is... Just convince the dumb Irish guy to do something. I'm 25% Irish. Um, <laughs> just say, oh, he'll agree. He won't get to escape, but he'll have a broken arm. So he'll be fine. Yeah. I don't know how that made sense. They go into the game. Sly Stallone barely knows how to play goalie. They give up four goals. Mm -hmm. And you have the, the Nazi officials just letting everything go. Cheap shots. Two guys get hurt. Near the tail end of the game. They don't call offsides on Nazis? No, no. The Nazis are just being Nazis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> end of the first half, beautiful counter. Great goal, 4-1. Crowd's going bonkers. Mm -hmm. Now it's time to escape. Right. They decide not to escape. They keep we going. We can beat these guys. Mm -hmm. Go back in, 4-2, 4-3, 4-4. Oh, no, 4-3. They get the tying goal. Evil Nazi ref comes in. No, no, no. Yeah. Offsides. Right, That's right, out. right. Pele, broken ribs from earlier because the Nazis have mm -hmm. taken him out. He's like, I got to go back in. Goes back in. Bicycle kick to tie the game. The evil Nazi refs are like, no, no, you're still not winning. <laughs> Cheap penalty foul. Penalty kick. Time has expired. Slice the loan now. Stop a penalty kick. Everyone in the audience. That's big. Now sings the love, French national anthem. Kick. All right, you're convincing me. The entire 
the entire crowd now singing the entire French national anthem to fire Sly up. Sly catches the penalty kick. Everyone charges the field. And then they just decide to all escape. They overpower the guards and they run for freedom. Mm -hmm. That's where I would want to be. Because I get to see an awesome game. Yeah. The allies tie the Nazis, but really they won. Mm -hmm. And I get to escape. <laughs> What's right. better than that? I think uh, I think it's you might a have, solid I, case. I think you might have convinced me on that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go to that game. <laughs> yeah, with because you. you're free. If you text me, you're yeah. free. All right. The Nazis have lost. All right. All right. All right. There's also in that movie. There's a good Nazi, which is a really controversial character. Uh -huh, uh -huh. The one Nazi who also appreciates soccer. Right. So at the end, Pele makes the bicycle kick and. And the good Nazi is like, well, that was great. He stands yeah. up, does the applause. <laughs> and all the other Nazis are like, what the fuck, dude? The only thing I like more than, uh, you know. Evil Nazis are the good Nazis? Racism is like a good 442 formation. <laughs> like that's what, that's what he's saying in his head. <laughs> you got to respect it. You gotta <laughs> it's an amazing movie. And uh, I always wondered what it would have been like to be there. Um, movies and other things. Where's the book tour going? Next up, we are, we're in Seattle on Friday Great San Antonio. City. We love Seattle. Austin, Houston, Dallas. San Antonio I've heard of. Yeah. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Thank you. San know, Antonio go feels like a, a home game. Go buy a book, baby. Oh, Bill, this is crazy. We just found this out this week. Yeah. If if this book makes the bestseller list, we will be the first time ever in the 88-year history of the New York Times bestselling list. Mexican-American will have uh, three books that have made the list. It's never happened. Really? Ever. In 88 years. And Do you if, think this will get Amazon to put Blood In, Blood Out on streaming? <laughs> if this doesn't, nothing will. <laughs> Shea Serrato, good Thank luck. Thank you so much. <laughs> hey, Nick Kroll is coming in one second. First, according to the FBI, burglary happens an average of once every 23 seconds in the U.S., yet only one in five homes has home security. Maybe it's because most companies really don't make it easy. That's why Simply Safe is my top choice. Hands down, Simply Safe. Protects every door, window, and room with 24-7 professional monitoring for just $15 a month. No contract, hidden fees, or fine print. And with Simply Safe's video verification technology, which lets them visually confirm when a break-in is happening, police get to the scene three and a half times faster than with other home security companies. My listeners, guess what? Simply Safe has a huge deal going on right now just for you. SimplySafe.com slash BS. You get a free HD security camera when you order. That's a $100 value. We'll make sure that you can take advantage of their video verification technology. You have eyes on home 24-7. Video evidence. If someone tries to get in, get your HD security camera now at SimplySafe with two eyes. SimplySafe.com slash BS today. Here we go. Nick Kroll, my son comes in off the top rope about two-thirds of the way through this interview. Let's do it. All right, Nick Kroll is here. Hi. My son's hero. I... I... <laughs> What the age range for Big Mouth? Yeah, I mean, I know, I know, adults are watching, sure. but it's really like ten to fifteen. It's become that show. We Re talked about this last time. Yeah, now it's even, it's even crazier now. Is it? I didn't know it was going as low as ten, but that's. Oh, it sure is, my friend. Oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, because there's there's that extra three years of people who shouldn't be watching the show yet. <laughs> Well, it's also like younger siblings. So it's like the yes. 13, 14 year olds start to watch. And then the, like the little brother, little sister, are like, well, if he gets to watch it, then I should be able to watch it. Yeah. That's how I watched everything. Like, you know, like, so that, so you I just want to catch up. You want to yeah. be advanced. Well, you I like be two that, years ahead. That's how I watched like Porky's and Hot Dog uh, the movie yeah. and all those movies when I was like nine, yeah. eight, seven, you know? 
God bless Hot Dog the movie. Oh my God. My, my brother also showed me, though, The Exorcist when I was five. Oh, that's not good. That did not, that didn't, was it not led, led to a good taste in my mouth for horror films. Yeah, that's bad. But Hot Dog the movie, forever. Great taste. Yeah, I've been in love with ski <laughs> movies ever since. It's 35th anniversary. I don't know why we're not <laughs> it celebrating really? it. No, I know. It's 1984. It yeah. yeah, there it's you one go. Of the great things in 1984. Yeah. So I was on, um, as I've told you before, my mm-hmm. son obviously is watching this, but I was on a soccer trip with my daughter uh-huh. and all of her team were staying in a hotel. We're staying overnight because it's one of those things. Mm-hmm. And all the parents are downstairs and the kids are all in my room. And I go back to get something and, and I'm trying to get in with the key card and I hear all the kids say, turn off, turn off, turn off. And they couldn't turn off whatever they're watching. I open up and it's your show. Oh. And it's right as somebody's like, and that's why you have to lick her pussy. <laughs> and they all start laughing. I'm like, what are you guys watching? And they're uh, like, ah. And how, I'm like, are you watching Big Mouth? Yeah. How old are they? That, that was 13 year olds. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But so, they thought they were in trouble. And I'm like, I'm cool. I'm yeah, not going to tell anybody. Like, we're I'm, good. I'm the cool dad. Yeah, we're I, cool. I mean, I think there's something to the idea when you're that age, especially of like, what's the thing I should, the thing right above me that I shouldn't be watching. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like when I was a kid, I was a little, South Park was already, I was in high school or college. So it wasn't that. But if I had been that, it would have been South Park. It would have been that show or that thing that's like, it's just out of reach for what you think you should be watching or that you think your parents are going to be mad at. Yeah. And that, and I think, I guess we seem to be fitting right into that, that sweet spot. Well, in the eighties, it was movies. Yes, exactly. And I guess like HBO had first and 10, but that wasn't like smart. It just had you know, boobs every once in a while. Yeah. And, but, but I remember like late night being, cause I didn't have cable growing up, but I would go to my friend's house and watch HBO and it would be like Rambo's, even stuff like that, where I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm too young to be watching Rambo, but I'm going to watch it, you know? Yeah. Um, but it was more of the, it was more of that Porky's era yes. of all of those movies, which yes. I made for years and years and years. Yes. Porky's for sure. And that was like, for me, that was like sleepover movies. That was like, I was at someone's house and like they had older brothers and the parents were away. And so I feel honored to be in that in that uh, that realm of the things that kids are worried. I mean, so but I will say, like, we're very now season one, we made it. We kind of were just making it for us. Like we're making it for people like who I my friends and and maybe, you know, younger into college or whatever. We didn't know kids would be watching it. But we were trying to be responsible to it. And now we're aware of it and we are we are trying to be aware that kids might be watching. So like whatever we're saying is on some sort of like scale of the what the message is, is like a decent message. Does that make sense? Does that compromise the show, though? I, are you we in try the writer's to. room? Like, oh, well, we're like, I will have moments where I'm like, we are, we are delving into after school special now. Yeah. And so we will pull back off of that. Like, it has to be funny first. If it's not funny, then it doesn't get in. But once it's funny, we, we are trying to make sure that what we're saying, if a kid is watching that the lesson or the, that the message they're getting is one that we are comfortable with. Right. But but never at the expense of it being funny. Like it has to be funny. My son had this, they had like a birds and the bees thing. Mm-hmm. He was, this was, I think at the end of fifth grade last year mm-hmm. where, you know, the school, it's not like they're going to explain sex, but they're going to talk about it a little bit. And yeah. so they asked the kids like, and when you come, there's going to be a question or you can ask a question if you want. And, um, so he was telling us about this and I was like, oh, 
is this going to be weird, this thing? He's like, no, I've learned everything from Big Mouth already. <laughs> and then we were like, what's your question going to be? And he goes, I'm going to ask how to clean up a wet dream. <laughs> and I was like, don't ask that. That's going to go terribly. Please don't do that. So he, so I think we talked about that one. Right. But that's your influence. Well, now. I'm... S- <laughs> <laughs> He's 11 at the time. But we are, you know, we're breaking the ice. We're breaking the ice for giving you the opportunity to tell your son how to clean up his wet dream. Yeah, I'm yeah. not ready yet. No, yeah, I know. Sitting right over there I watching know. a hey, super hard. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Uh, the uh, answer is, is, the answer is stuff it into the pantry and yeah. don't say a word. And, and like, uh, someone will clean it up and, and it will be discussed or not. Or frame, frame one of your siblings yes. for it. Yeah. Or dump water on the sheet afterwards. Like, oops, I spilled. I guess I got to clean this oops, up. I've spilled four gallons of water <laughs> on my sheets. Sorry about Sorry, this uh, vanilla. I spilled a Diet vanilla Coke. ice cream and Diet Coke on here. <laughs> Root beer float before bed in the morning. It oh. is. It is crazy though. I mean, everybody had different ways to learn about sex and yeah. all different. For me, it was like, you know, my dad. I think. Mm-hmm. I think he was getting Playboy or somebody sure. was and just reading like the letters. Uh-huh. Yes. You know, and you're yeah. 10 and be like, oh my God, yeah. what does that mean? Stimulate the blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh my God. The penthouse forums and yeah, stuff all that like stuff. that. Yeah. So Andrew, my partner in the show, his dad had every Playboy from like 1970 to like 1990 or something like that. And he kept them in a crawl space, like inside of Andrew's closet. So Andrew discovered them when he was like around that age and was crawl space. You know what I mean? It was like a dirty little crawl space. What a great thing to find in a crawl space compared to what the possible alternatives are. I found a a skeleton. I know, like a decomposing body. No, I found all my his dad. He found all (laughs) of his dad's Playboys, and he and he would, of course, he was he he you know he he chucked he checked them out, and then his dad found out. Because the way his dad found out is because they were they were no longer in like numerical order. Oh, like his dad trying was to like catch him yeah, like a serial killer. Yeah, and he was the only thing he was mad at. Not that his son was like stealing his playboys to jerk off, but that he wasn't putting him back in like perfect numerical order. It's just like an OCD perv. He's like, where's number twenty seven? Yeah, where's yeah, where's fall not seventy one? <laughs> She the biggest bush in the world. Sorry that your son's here. <laughs> no, he's he's heard it off. Yeah, Thanks okay, to you. Good. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm gonna tell a terrible story about my son. Okay. Which I couldn't tell on Parent Corner because we have a sponsor for it. Okay, great. Um, so we're at this is terrible. I can't believe I'm telling this story. Look at <laughs> He's like, What are you doing, me? So we go, my wife was away last weekend and we went to get sushi. Mm-hmm. The day before Big Mouth had come out, mm-hmm. he watched two episodes that night. Nice. Woke up at 4.30 in the morning okay. to start banging out the rest and okay. was done by, f- what, 4 o'clock? Four o'clock you were done? So then <laughs> we're eating sushi and they're bringing it out. They, mm-hmm. You know, we got the omakase thing. Sure, so they sure, were sure. like, oh, this is this. There's yeah, the yeah. yellowtail. Yeah, you yeah. never know what the next one is. So finally they bring out sea urchin. Uh-huh. And it's on the thing. And get it. And I'm like, I don't know if you guys are going to like this. And they're like, we'll try it. We'll try it. Hmm. So he bites into it and immediately is like, this is terrible. And spits it in a napkin. And he goes, oh, my God, I hope that's not what pussy tastes like. Now I'm afraid. (laughs) And And my daughter and I were like, that's easily the worst thing anyone's ever said ever. And then we're like, oh, you just watched Big Big Mouth. Yeah. So I was like, fucking Nick Kroll. 
people are turning, looking at us. I well, so I can, that's you. I blame I, you. Yes, I can tell you. Uh, I'm just gonna do it because we're here. <laughs> Pussy tastes a lot better than uni. <laughs> that's what I will say. Uh, I. Uh, I've never regretted eating pussy. <laughs> uni. Searchin. I've made some questionable mistakes in that in that realm. So anyway, that was uh, the greatest <laughs> oh moment I've ever had in a sushi restaurant. Oh my God, that's The wild. good thing is my daughter thought it was hilarious. Okay, good. I felt like she should have been the most offended. She was... I think two waitresses were incredibly offended, right? but it was fine because we'd gotten most of our food already. <laughs> so... Yeah, so there you go. Well, there we are. So congrats on that. Thank um, you. But yeah, se season three was a big deal. Okay, good. And it's fun because the first show, the first season comes out. Yeah. People are like, what's this? Yeah. Oh, Nick Crow, John Mulaney. I yeah. like those guys. They yeah. try it. Yeah. Then season two, it's like, ah, oh, could it be good as season one? Yeah. Now it's like, it feels like you could do 10 seasons. Well, I think we're, you know, we're, it's a, it's such a interesting thing because you're always trying to figure out like how many do you have in the, how many stories do you have? You know what I mean? Every show I think is like, it, it, do, do we have enough? And I think we've got a lot more stories that we want to tell and a lot more sort of areas to hit. And it's just such a rich area of kids like in this puberty, but also like identity, figuring out who they are, what they want to be. And then you know, we have some episodes this season, like you go back to Duke Ellington losing his virginity and like yeah. going back to like, not you know, Washington, D.C., Atlantic City, 1913. So we it's starting to be able to play with the form more. Um, but and I love that Duke episode. I actually and then there's the like disclosure, the musical episode. Uh, do you remember disclosure? <laughs> do you remember when it came out? The movie? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's. Weirdly, one of the most dated movies of all time. It feels yes. like it came out 230 years ago. It's crazy. He's using the internet with, yeah. with gloves. And yeah, and it's and he goes into the internet to go only to go into a virtual file cabinet. Yeah. Inside of it, it's very weird. That movie in the net came out within a yes. year, and yes. it was both like imagining the worst possible weirdest ways we'd use the internet, and it yeah. was never just, yeah, you're just going to be on a computer typing. Yeah, no, it's always this mouse. extra level of it. It was like in that period of time, those period of movies where Michael Douglas was too sexy for his own good. Yeah. You know, it was like... Uh, they, women couldn't stay away from him. Basic Instinct, Fatal Attraction, and then and then Disclosure was like the final and the trifecta of Michael Douglas. Watch out. Women are going to want to kill or sue you because you're so right. hot. You'll throw away your career to yeah. get a chance at this guy. I, it's all going to happen. So we, like, doing that episode was kind of fun and weird. And, you know, we, it's just like, I think our goal is to keep the beauty of streaming or at least being what where we are right now and on Netflix, not on network, is it doesn't have to be 22 refillable. Yeah. You know, like we don't have that pressure. So we can really try to take some weird chances and then keep, hopefully keep the show fresh, you know? So you and you even had uh, two of the character, two of the male characters got together oh, in yeah. season three. My son was telling me about it. Yeah. Matter of factly. Yeah. I was like, yeah, Jay and the other guy. And yeah, Matthew, that's it. It's yeah, happening. Ma yeah, and Matthew has a boyfriend. And like, you know, it's like what kids are going through now. And like, we're trying to like, you know, my goal is like, you know, everybody's everybody's doing their thing, figuring out who they are and try not to lay too much judgment on it and let, and let everybody figure it out, you know? And you, there was a little pushback on how you handled that, but it seemed, it seemed slightly unfair. It was, it was, the pushback was about, um... Ali Wong is on the show as a pansexual yeah. girl. And so she comes in and really it's partly in service to Jay, who is 
bisexual or he thinks he's figuring out what his sexuality is. So she comes in and she says, I'm pansexual. I like everything. You're bisexual. Bisexual is very binary. You like men and women. And we put out, Netflix put out that clip of it. And when you look at it out of context, it was uh, people in the bi community were saying and uh, that it felt like it was limiting that bi actually means that w- two or more genders, like that it's a much more fluid. I didn't mean for you to have to go into this whole I, thing, by I the know, way. I'm I, mean, so, just bringing it up. I know, but I'm so subsumed in it now. And yeah. I don't know if you've dealt with it where you get something pops on you and you're like, okay, I got to like. You're I'm, on the hamster wheel. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was interesting because it was, and we, we, we apologize for it because honestly, we were like, you know what? We could have done this definition better. We are hearing what you're saying, and we're, we'll try to do better. It's a complicated thing talking about this, the human sexuality. It's challenging. And, and for at least for me, I was like, you know, it's weird that you have this feedback loop that you can put something out and that people can comment to you, and you have to deal with that. And, and you can't, I mean, I guess you can ignore it, but it's hard to. So I'm like, all right, where there is this feedback loop where we put something out. You don't like how we define this. We're we're listening to you. We will try to do better. But the thing is, the overall mission of the show, yeah, I thought it was really important that you tapped into some of this stuff. And the reality is, there's certain people that just are never going to be 100 percent happy with how you did something. Yes, you that's know? what that's and what, that's the balance of like, do we apologize? Do we respond to this? Yeah, or is it just people who are going to be unhappy with whatever? And in this case, it seemed like, all right, well, yeah, we're. We're trying here. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. We'll is, try to do better next yeah, time. Yeah, and that's what it is. And there, there were enough people that it was like, okay, we've clearly n- hit a nerve. Let's yeah. look at it. Let's honestly take a look at what we said in the show, even if it's even if we eventually say a lot of the things that they were like, why don't you say talk about this? Like in the episode, we get to that. But I was like, you know what? Sure. Like we're like, but it is this. It's the tricky thing when you are talking about complex issues, especially around something like human sexuality. And and right now where so many people are figuring out what their identity is and really defining themselves based on that identity, that you're going to, we're going to run into things where we're going to get it wrong or that, or that definitions change or that like certain people. I mean, what was interesting is once I started reading into it, you're like, oh, there are, there are differing opinions within this yeah. community. Yeah. So there are people in that world. And what we realized that we were tapping into was something that was really a larger discussion conversation happening uh, independent of our show. And so, you know, it's like, well, we will just try to do better. I think it was important that you did it, though, because I've noticed I have a 11 year old son, 14 year old daughter. Mm-hmm. And granted, we're in L.A., so things are a little faster. Here. Yeah. But um, and faster, I mean, just a little more progressive. Yes. Um. But I've noticed their attitudes yes. toward all of this stuff is just so different mm-hmm. than like, 35 years ago. Yeah. You're talking about trans kids in their class. Yeah. It's like, not, it's, the, the, it's not even something they would even talk about. It's like, oh yeah, that person's trans. Yeah. Um, bisexuality, all these things. It's just part of being in school now. It and is a it is a generational thing. Totally, it is like it, it people the pronouns, all that stuff. Yeah. Like they don't they don't even think twice. It's just part of yeah. what their life's like. It's and it's like and it's the landscape is changing and like and and I think like there are things that people older than kids today are like. What do you mean? Like that's crazy. I support this, but come on. And 
And there's plenty of that that is like there are things where every every community and group you're like people, you, there's going to hit a point where you're like I think this is going too far. But I also think that kids now are so much more cool with it and so much more down with like however you want to identify yourself. It's like people our age that are like I'm I I'm I don't understand da 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 and it's like it's just generational shit. It's like, just like when we were growing up and our parents couldn't understand how we could do X, Y, and Z. And like their parents before them couldn't understand how they were doing what they were doing. And you know, it's just like keep, shit keeps moving. It's shit. crazy. Cause like, I think 25 years ago, maybe 26, but when Melrose place, yeah, it was like, they were going to show a gay kiss. Yeah. And then Fox was like, no, you're not showing that. And they had to like cut away from it. Yeah. And it was a big deal. And then you just think like the checkpoints we've hit the last, it's, two and a half decades. I know. In the last 10 years. And now it would be like, it would honestly be weird if you had a Big Mouth season and you didn't dive into this. Well, that's what I think we feel like. Look, the show started with about, the, based on me and Andrew Goldberg's childhood and, and our experiences. And we, we had these other characters that we started to explore. And then, like, as we continue to build out, that's the beauty of doing a longer, you know, you do more episodes. And all of a sudden you've built enough backstory where you're like, all right, let's find out like what would it be like for Matthew to be in a relationship? All right, like let's find out like what's going on with Lola. Like let's see what like like, you know, what or or let's go home with Missy. Let's let's see what happens when Missy gets angry. Like how does yeah. a girl who's like a sweet, nice, dorky girl, like what is it like when she starts to feel anger? Uh or uh, or like a girl like Jesse, what it's what's it like when that girl wants to figure out how to masturbate herself or have an orgasm? It's like, you know, you 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 give yourself this breath to be able to tell these different stories, and and I think it makes for a much richer kind of, uh, you know. I just think quilt. I think the females on the show should just be a lot more moody, based on my own personal experiences. <laughs> really? Yeah. My daughter yesterday, like five words total. Really? I was her hero for 12 years. When did it change? I was the change? greatest person yeah. in life. It started to change over the last two years. But now it's good 80% of the time. And then there's she... this 20% where it's like, hey, what's going on? I'm fine. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. I'll how, see you later. How are she and your wife getting along? Oh, we'd say it's like Iran and Iraq. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this it's guy just, and this guy is still cool. He's just he's cool. He's just referees the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're, We're gonna bring him in in a second, but yeah. I want to ask you. Yeah, yeah. How you get all the celebrities? Uh, we've been very lucky. That it's like a shocking amount of people that everybody either likes or finds funny or is on their way up or whatever. Yeah. Well, we got. I mean, we we put together the f the show. Really, is like honestly, my friends, the original cast, all those people: Jason Manzukis, John Mulaney, Jesse Klein, Jenny Slate, Jordan Peele, Maya Rudolph, Fred Armisen. They're all people. The, the first five names are the people I went to college with, John Mulaney. Yeah, it's like your generation. It's my crew. Jesse and I met early on. Jenny and I, I mean, those are all. And then, like, over the last 10 years, I've become friends with Jordan and Maya and Fred. And then after that, we just started bringing people in. And I think people saw season one and liked the show. And then, and sometimes it's like Tandy Newton, who plays uh, Missy's Hormone Monstrous, um, who's on Westworld and done a ton of stuff, like, got the call about the show, liked it. And then, and then her daughter was like a massive fan. So it's like, we're, we have that version of it where it's like, you know, like we talked, but like, you know, you're like, my kid loves the show. So it, it adds that level of people wanting to be involved. And um, you have, you probably have people just volunteering to be on. Yeah. We've got nice incoming stuff now where people are like, you ever want us? Like all the rappers want to be on the show. 
It's a, which is the funniest. Like Lil Yachty, <laughs> Tyler, the creator, those guys really? are like in touch. Yeah. And that makes me very happy. But it probably, there's some that are probably awkward where they're definitely not going to be on the show, but you <laughs> right, have to pretend. Like, yeah, yeah, that'd yeah, be great. Yeah. Let me, uh, I'll th- let me get your number. And but I'll- it is, I will say this, like it's an interesting thing in Hollywood. I think it's, I- I've seen it when it's incoming where someone's like, hey, I'd love to be on the show. And you're like, great, we'll keep you in mind. And it's like, there's an ego thing that you have to swallow to be like, I would love to be a part of your thing. But I find that like, it's nice. Then now those guys are like, I want to be on that show. And I'm like, cool. When I'm thinking about creating a character, like it never hurts to know that person would be interested, you know? And and we've and then the Queer Eye guys came and did the show this year and they're great. And uh, who else? I mean, Carol Kane. I mean, there are people who I'm like sex about. Carol Kane plays the menopause banshee. I mean, Carol Kane, amazing. Yeah, amazing. Martin Short going way back. Martin Short plays the 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 uh, Canadian moose masseuse turned uh, illusionist, struggling with his sexuality. Do you um, let them ad lib at all, or are you sure always? Yeah. Our, our you know, whenever we have people coming in, and whenever possible, we we uh, record together. So like, if I if I can, it's me and Jason are in the booth together. Me and John are in the booth together. Jenny. You know, me and Maya, if we like whenever possible, because we always will improvise and find stuff together. So like the whole reason I'm hiring or bringing in those people is because they're genius comedy minds. And we try to write the best script we can. I never want anyone to feel like they have to improvise, but I want to bring in their and then slowly their their things, their quirks start to infuse the character. So Andrew starts one way. And after three seasons with John, like Andrew has mannerisms that are more like John Mulaney than they are like Andrew Goldberg. You know, Jason Manzukis, you start to feel, we start to write to like, you know, Jason likes to say like, I cheesed in my jeans, you know, or <laughs> right. like, so we just start writing that Jay says, I cheesed in my jeans, you know? So we're always just trying to bring in those people's vibes, you know? Paul Thomas Anderson? PTA, I would love he to. Must lo- he must love the show. Well, like, he, Maya, you know, Maya, Maya's, Maya's on it. Yeah, I wonder if Paul's... You just got to just ask him. Yeah. There's we no wanna, way he... Had, he's probably the, waiting to be asked. He, I will tell you, know, here's the coolest for me, or I mean, PTA being the coolest, but also I met uh, Alfonso Cuaron, directed Roma and yeah. Gravity. Oh my and God. Tu Mama Tambien and all those movies. I met him at a Netflix party and... He had worked with Mark and Jen, my other partners, years ago, and I met him, and he was like, "He's a, he's a big mouth fan," and so That's I was incredible. So I was like, and I met his kids. His son is an animator. His daughter's like super cool. They're teens, like a little older than your kids, and he's like, "I watch the show with my kids. I love it." And for me, like that was crazy. That was the craziest to have the guy like who directed like who won like two Oscars last year, being like, "Oh, you know, like that to me is the." fucking cool that's nuts i was in i was in uh italy with my girlfriend and we were on like a nice like romantic vacation and he was there and i texted him randomly like hey i'm in italy are you here he's like yeah come by he's in the on the coast so i rent a car but i don't know how to drive stick oh no uh and i but that was the only car they had so i like get it my girlfriend tolerates me like failing to drive stick yeah to for two and a half hours to get to quaron's house two and a half hours yeah but I'm like, I can do it. I, but it was like stalling the whole way. We get to Quaron's house and he's in a car coming down the hill and it's in this little Italian thing and my car stalls and I'm like, the, you know, and I and I stall going down a hill and I I don't know, like, I'm sure you grew up driving stick, yeah. but like getting getting up a hill driving stick. It's, it's, 
You it put some chest hairs on your chest. Oh, oh man! Or it makes you lose all of your <laughs> right, right. hair. So, <laughs> so we I get up the hill. Finally, we have a nice afternoon. It was really it was so cool. Like he because he's he's such a good chill fucking dude. Yeah. And then we had the nicest time. He's like, all right, I'll walk you out. And we walk out. <laughs> and he watches me stall. Like I cannot oh. get the car in gear to get out of his house. And I'm just like. This fucking, you know, I was like, I thought I was becoming friends with this dude. And now, now, he's, he's, yeah. now he's watching he's me stall in my little Fiat because the, emer the emergency brake was up the whole time. Anyway. Oh, that was the problem? Oh, that, that was the problem. But it's, that's the coolest thing is having a, like those kind of guys, like those guys who I, who I have tremendous respect for, say they watch it. And specifically, uh, Quaron watches it with his kids, you know. And you have to create a Chang character. I know. Ooh, that's like a, a good idea. Frustrated chef. Yeah. yeah. Or just and like got a tiger mom yeah. just yelling at him on the side. Jacked time. Asian chugging milk. <laughs> Playing golf and cooking yeah, mac yeah, and cheese. Just screaming at kids on a golf course. <laughs> Competitively <laughs> playing great golf. Episode. I love that story of the Chang that says, but he drank like a gallon of milk every day, and that's why he's bigger than everyone in his family. Yeah, he seems to be convinced that's true. I know, but and that boy, have you seen Hugo? That boy the is boy. Yeah, that, Chang. Yeah. We're talking about David Chang, yeah, who's our mutual friend. Yes, his son. I the the. It's my favorite Instagram of it's all the, the Instagrams. It's the best. He, he looks like he's like a little mini emperor. The he way is. he dresses <laughs> and he's got the perfect big huge. He's like a yes. He's like a mini Chang. Yeah, he's a mini he really David is. Chang. He's just this like, my, and Hugo. I don't know. He's the cutest, but it's fun seeing him as a dad. Yeah, it's, I've enjoyed it. I, it did all the things I thought would happen with him. Yeah. Which Where, is what, like, mel did it mellow him out or no? Yeah, it just turned him into a big sap, which mm -hmm. I was telling him was going to happen. Some some friends you have were like, oh, man, you're going to turn into a sap yeah, when you have yeah. a kid. And you just know they're going to do. It happens when people get dogs sometimes, too, where yeah. they just turn into saps. Well, sometimes those people who have no feeling, you all of a sudden, they're like, I got a dog. And, like, two years later, they're like, I'm not eating meat. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and they're like, I love my dog so much, I can't imagine eating yeah. another animal. And I'm like, fuck. My dog's my soulmate. I know. Ben, come on over. Come on over, Ben. Let's do it. Come on over, Ben. Let's do it. He's been waiting. So patiently to hear. This is exciting. Ben has some questions. Yes. Ben, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Why? Huh? You look nervous. I can't believe I this. I am. This Why is like nervous? the biggest day of my life. Come on. <laughs> what are you, what's your number one question? What's going on with Jessie? I mean, yeah. is, is she moving or not? Oh. I'm so scared. Oh, nervous okay. Ben. This is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He okay. never gets nervous. So what's going on with Jessie? So, because do you want to, so for those who might not know, what would you say has happened to Jessie this, like this year? A little more depressed yeah. from her with yeah. Shannon. Yeah. Canardina broke up with Shannon. This is, this guy's, this guy's got it down. season three twice. Okay, so you really prepared. know. Okay, so, yeah. so Canardina breaks up. Jesse, his parents got divorced. Her mother's having an affair with uh, the cantor at, at their synagogue. Um, Jesse's mom decides she wants to move into the city, right? Yeah. And so now Jesse is stuck trying, we don't, I mean, what do you think's going to happen? They're is she move. is she moody like Zoe? Yeah, yeah. So that's like that's the Zoe proxy character. Yeah, if yeah. Zoe had a character in Big Mouth. Just it would say be Jesse. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen you nervous before. This is unbelievable. <laughs> He's playing nervous, cool. Ben. But I I gotta say you have a very good breakdown of the of this and the the, the depression kitty is Gene Smart by the way, oh, who's awesome. Gene Smart. And when she records, Gene Smart's like a cool, really cool actress. She was in Fargo season three. Season yeah, two. He didn't see that. If you want, she was, you, you know, designing women, of course. Uh, no, you wouldn't know. John. But 
when she's a famous Martin, actress from the eighties and nineties. Yeah. And when she does the when she does the depression kitty, she will like knead the table like she's a little kitty when she does it. <laughs> and she purrs beautifully. So Jesse's got some depression. Um and she's we'll see what happens. I mean, it's like uh what I mean, what do you So hope? you're worried about Jesse? Yeah, I'm really worried. I yeah. need her to stay. What did you think? Because I was surprised people, were you bummed out at the end of the season? No. You weren't? Actually, yeah. With yeah. Wait. Nick and Andrew. <laughs> yeah. I was so sad. Yeah. Like, what were you sad about? Explain it to us. All right. So how this all started was, first of all, Disclosure of the Play. They were doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Nick was casted as, well, the main character and Missy was the boss, the sexual boss. Yeah. Okay. Michael Douglas and, to me more. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the play never went on because um, Mr. Gleiser, is that his name? Lizer, yeah. Lizer, yeah. Yeah. Um, it Rob it was sexist, I guess. Yeah. And Jesse, Matthew, all those people were not happy. Mm-hmm. And then um, they did the musical number, which had a kiss in it. This mm-hmm. was the season finale? This was the pre 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 the, the pre-season finale. Okay. And then they kissed, and then Andrew saw it, and then he was very mad. Yeah. Because oh. Nick, Andrew, and Missy have a history together, and then Nick makes out. They have a showmance, Nick and Missy in so this you, episode. So you're pulling a little early 90s Fox yes. love triangle drama. Exactly. Very smart. So then the but last— This is Ben's first love triangle. Right. He's not so, used to love triangles. Right. So then that last, the last episode is the—I is the, is, mean, I'm curious to hear your explanation of it. Um— I like the superhero part. Yeah. So that's really cool. I like so, Yeah, so all the, the final episode of the season is this, all the kids have these sort of superhero roles that they're playing. They all have special powers. Oh. And it's sort of through the, did you understand, did you see that it was the, how the lens, like the point of view of how they all, why they were all superheroes? Not really. So we have a kid who's Went like, over his head. well, there's a kid who's on the spectrum, Caleb, the kid who. Yeah, yeah, yeah that um, he can't process like, Emotions yeah. and stuff, yeah. So we were saying, like, it's his view of what was happening socially in the ah. scene is through superhero narratives. And what's really happening is Nick and Andrew are getting in a fight uh, because Andrew's pissed that he, Nick he saw Nick make out with Missy. Oh, yeah. Love and it's and so the end of the season. I mean, as spoilers. I don't know how you do spoilers here. I think we're good with spoilers. Okay. No, so, I mean you can do. Them. Yeah. Well, so it, it just it, it it they they're left in a moment where these kids who have been best friends. Do you have do you have best friends? Who, yeah. I, yeah. I have like two. And would well, he's, you? He's very, he's very guy code. Yeah. Do, do you, you are you tight with your child? boys? Have you yeah. had a? Have you? Yeah. Would you ever make out with your friend's ex? Of course not. There you no. go. Yeah, he would never do that. That's good. Yeah. But so if it happened. If it happened to you, would you be like? I'd be pissed off. He I'd would go fight them. Full on Andrew. <laughs> yeah, he would fight them. <laughs> he would. He would yeah. flip out. Ben, give us your predictions for season four. Oh, I think Jesse's gonna move. Yeah. I think Andrew and Nick are gonna fight. Yeah. I'm praying that they they're friends again. Oh, like, that's cool. They, they were, fight, then become friends. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Yeah. They were like my favorite people. Yeah. Uh, show. What about Jay? What do you think about Jay? Yeah. I want him to be bisexual. Yeah. I want him to date that girl, the new girl. Oh, Allie. Yes. Allie Wong. Allie oh, Wong yeah, plays yeah, a yeah. bisexual girl. Okay. And what about um Lola? Lola. So much with Lola. I think Lola and Gina should date. Okay, Lola wow. and Gina should date. Just shows I like a free for all. Yeah. You wanted to a- ask him how he did the voices. Oh yeah, how? he doesn't understand how you make different voices that sound 
He doesn't okay. understand that talent All and right. how you're just able so, to do that like a switch. Okay, so let's do. Uh, uh, you give me a couple. Who who do you want to hear? I let's do a scene. I'll do a scene. I'll do a scene with you where I'll play a couple of different characters. Coach a, Steve. Coach. All right, my dude. Here we are. You know, Bill Simmons, the ringer, hanging out, Vance t-shirt, you know. Oh, my God. I actually really like that t-shirt. It's very cool. And I like your beanie. Your beanie's very cool. Oh, no. That's pretty cool. How no. My son's turning red. It's a little cold off. That's how easy it is. He just turns the switch on. He can do it. You just turn the switch on, and the next thing you know, here you are, <laughs> right where you began. So the lesson, Ben, is only a few people in the world can do all these voices like this and become different characters. Like in South Park, what is Trey's doing? Trey's like eighty percent of yeah, those. Yeah, doing a crazy amount of them. Seth MacFarlane's doing a ton of some, them. Just some people have this talent. Maybe but I would be used someday. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I do. yeah, I mean, I started when I was your age. I was Andrew and I, Andrew Goldberg, who I created the show with, he and I were best friends when I was when we were your age. And we would watch Saturday Night Live and we watch Wayne's World and we watch all those movies and we would just do sketch sketches together. We'd do bits like if I had been around, if if this show had been around, we probably would have done those voices with each other. We started making videos together. And then you're doing some of that yeah. now already. Yeah. He's got some creative friends because we live in LA. Of course. So he's got friends that can That's like amazing. cut movies. That's awesome. Make hip hop songs amazing. and all this stuff. And those ki- those guys the, or the, and girls, whoever you're making that stuff with, like, you know, those are the people like who you could end up working with. Like, I mean, I've known Andrew since first grade. So like 25 and at 13, we started doing this kind of stuff together. And so you were 13, 13. We started doing like we would host talent shows as Wayne and Garth, you know, and now 25 years later, we created the show together. So like those, those, those folks you're working with, those, your, your buddies now, like keep making stuff with them and keep fucking around and like start doing those voices now and you'll, you'll figure it out. Well, you know, what's amazing about his generation. Mm -hmm. They're so good at just, they just have things at their disposal that you and I did not have. Not at all. We had the giant heavy camera. Yeah. And then if you actually wanted to edit stuff, you had to get a second VCR, <sighs> buy the cables that cross them over, and just chop edit them. Yeah. His generation, it's like they're you on make their iMovie. Yeah. Or you, you can make you have iPhones that are like nicer than any camera we had in nineteen ninety one. Well, I remember when I first moved to New York in the early two thousands and I bought a camera to like make auditions and stuff like that. And yeah. the iPhone now is a and that camera was like three thousand dollars. The yeah. iPhone now is a better camera better sound than anything we were using in in 2003. Just delete a take. Yeah. Go to the Done. next one. But it's yeah. like I w- he, he has friends that are like 11 and 12 who can actually legitimately edit. Really? Movies. They're not like, you know, they're not The Godfather, but <laughs> not yet. They're movies that yeah. were, you know, they're in different scenes and it's actually it's awesome. coherent. That's so a- I, I my theory is that like 10 years from now, there's going to be all these awesome filmmakers. I think so. Because they all are getting that. I mean, it's starting to happen now. They're all, are you making stuff? Yeah. yeah. Actually, I'm in the middle of a movie right now. Oh, yeah? yeah. <laughs> what is it? What's it? <laughs> tell the movie. Yeah. So, no, you got to tell them the plot. It's based off this book I'm making. Oh, cool. I love Halloween. Yeah. Because I was almost born on it. Nice. And he I, was. He, he was three hours away from... Thirty or three. He was November first. Oh, okay, but it was I was really rooting for it because I love Halloween so and Michael I. Myers. Yeah, 
And I was like, come on, come on. And it's just 3 a.m. He's just three hours Always late. a little late. Yeah. So. So you, you, but you, but you do love Halloween. So I he's love- making a horror movie right now. Right. He I- loves horror movies. Yeah. Explain the plot. Um, basically, these two kids are best friends uh-huh. from like since they're little kids. And a murderer mm-hmm. just landed from outer space. Uh-huh. And he needs to disguise as like a regular normal person. Mm-hmm. But these kids are catching on to him. And soon the murderer is going to come out and start murdering people. Oh, yeah. He's, so he's like the neighbor and they know it's like a something's wrong with the neighbor, yeah, which is always yeah. works it's as a classic. A it's a, What's wrong with that yeah, guy? What's yeah. he carrying from the trunk? Yeah. And they're kind of on him. Have you cast your the neighbor yet? No. No, not yet. I mean, I am a working actor. and All right. We can get yeah. Nick Kroll as the neighbor. <laughs> if you need him, Yeah, if you need in. me to be a creepy neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. Can you carry stuff from a trunk? Oh, very well. That's yeah, what I do so, best. But the cool thing now is like you're not looking around the giant. No, you know that. Yeah, and then three thousand like, pound camera. Yeah, and then like going back and edit, you can cut it right away and see what you got. That's awesome. Just keep keep making. Just do it. Can what make, other? Make so. Any other questions before we go? Yeah. Any other? Questions? Um, not really, actually. Not one big three, single right? question. <laughs> Where did badminton go? He he was. Oh, the badminton. Yeah, the badminton is Coach Steve uh, has a has a badminton that he wears. That's like his evil. So he's like. You know, I'm gonna fucking kill you. You know, it's <laughs> right. like that version of it. the badminton will be back. Good. At oh, the some badminton. Point. The badminton will make his way back. Don't worry. Everybody's coming back in other ways and forms. And then, you know, we're gonna do a spinoff show. Oh yeah, but yeah. oh, I was saving this for. I didn't tell you. Yeah, just got announced today. Yes, yes, I was saving it for his reaction. Yes. All right, tell him about the. So we're doing show. a show in the world, uh, a workplace comedy in the world of the monsters. You know, at the end of season two. Where the kids, oh, you, you know, yeah. you go up to the Department of Puberty, up up in the where the hormone monsters work. We're doing a show that's going to be up there. So it'll be the hormone monsters and the shame wizards and the <laughs> depression kitties and all the other characters. And it's going to be a show that takes place up in that world. Oh, yes, I've been waiting. <laughs> that was one of my favorite episodes. Oh, cool! I'm What's glad. What's the name of the show? It's called Human Human Resources. It's going to be Human Resources. We manage people. So it's like... This is great. Yeah. It'll be about... So, because Big Mouth is really about kids going through puberty. Human Resources is going to let us tell all these other stories about different moments in life. Yeah. So, like, you know, first job, uh, divorce, uh, cancer, birth, uh, first love, all these other things that, like you know, are huge parts of like what the human experience is like. When does this get shortened to HR when the yeah. f- the big fans are yeah. like, see HR yeah, last yeah, night? Yeah. That'll what, be that'll happen fast. HR boffos and uh, you know, I don't even know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it'll be it'll be it'll be it's gonna take a little while for us to make because we gotta keep making Big Mouth, yeah. but it'll come soon. Are the kids ever gonna age in Big Mouth? They are slowly aging. So like the end of season three is the end of seventh grade. Yeah. So that's so, your year away. Whoa. So, Close. so yeah. So you're, so you're about, so you're in sixth grade right now? Yeah. Okay. How is it? How's sixth grade treating it's you? pretty good. Yeah. He loves it. Are you in the same school? As who? As, as what you, where you were for yeah, fifth yeah, grade? Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. My whole life, basically. Yeah. And where do you stack up? Where are you height wise in your grade? Middle. In, in the middle? middle? There are really tall kids in my grade. Like, there's this kid that's 5'6". Oh, no. Towers over me. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's doing the whole athlete thing, though. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. I um, was an athlete. I love playing sports, but I was I was little. Which is, I think, in the end... you tenacious. Yes, exactly. I understood the game. Yeah. Because I, I was never going to be a big well, guy. 
sixth grade is when the girls start sprouting. Yes. Yes. And yeah. other things start sprouting. Yeah, it's and it just it just seems like a complete mismatch for like a year and a half. I was that boy at the dance who was like like at boob level with the right. girls. Like there's pictures of me in a lot of yeah, bar mitzvahs like that. Because we just went through it with my daughter where yeah. all of a sudden all the girls are like five, six. Yeah. And there's only a couple kids. Yeah. And then it catches up by eighth grade. Yeah. Then also in eighth grade, every all the boys are like they're like lurching around. Yeah, their their arms have yes. doubled in size. It took me a little longer. Speaking of lurch, I'm just gonna plug quickly. I'm in the Adams family, which oh, yeah. comes out on Friday. And Charlize is in yes, that. Yes, exactly. Whole bunch of people. Charlize, Oscar Isaac, me, Chloe, Grace Moritz, Finn Wolfhard, you know, was yeah, thing, dude. Him. Oh, you uh, love Finn yeah. Wolfhard. Uh I just met him. We were walking through into the at the premiere. Yeah. I was walking with Finn. I've never met him. He's a nice nice guy we're walking in some guy looks at him and goes hey Joan Jett's here who's <laughs> <laughs> like an 80s rocker chick yeah. and and he that's who does the Ronda Rousey song yeah yeah, yeah. oh oh really yeah. so she and but Finn very good sense of humor was like that's funny that's legitimately funny I was like oh that's cool the kid has a that's sense good. of humor about himself so that comes out on the 11th so I don't know when this is dropping but um but the Adams families I think you'd enjoy it it's kind of more yeah. mature than all other kids movies all right, yeah. Ben. I think you did all right. All right, yeah. I think I did. You were good. you ben, nervous you at the it. top, but I thought I thought you worked yeah. through it. Um, I thought the fact that I told the sushi story was going to make you leave, but you <laughs> I did almost it. Almost died. <laughs> I was dying. Yeah. You got to be yeah. careful when we're in public. Yeah. I, know I know you love Big Mouth and the other terrible shows you watch. So I, I let you watch. I but, will. But when there's like multiple strangers around, you just have to. That be is more the, aware. It is. Uh, it is a. Uh, it's a. It's a. Uh, I hope. I'm glad. I hope. I hope that you, you, the, that there's some good stuff out of that you're learning and enjoying and entertained yeah. by it out out of it all. So, did you ask a question at that Birds in the Bees assembly? No, no. You, you ended up not. I was too scared. Probably yeah. a good idea. Yeah, yeah, probably better not to ask the wet dreams question. Yeah, what did I do that clean up? That would have been a. Yeah, yeah. I really yeah. wanted to ask it. Though. Yeah, yeah. That's you know the we had I made uh, I the way Coach Steve says how hey, you had a wet dream is he goes. I bed wet thick, <laughs> which is then where thick and the warm yeah. came out of. I made thick in the warm. Yeah. So uh, anyway, <laughs> just to give you some origin story to the uh, the uh, how we come up with the was dialogue. This, was this the weirdest interview you've done in the press tour? So Honestly, far? it was the best. It's the most fun oh, one. Yeah. I'm I mean, glad you have your audience. I mean, I I always enjoy talking to you, but also talking to you. It's it's fun to talk to kids about how they're. What they're seeing and in and and getting from the show and and storylines that are you find interesting because like we want to I want to make sure that you're like that you're digging it and that you get it so all right if the if we ever get funding for the horror movie we'll 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 talk to your please agent let me about, know yeah. let me know creepy neighbor yeah creepy neighbor <laughs> creepy next door neighbor I would love to play a murderer from outer space <laughs> that's my goal they crawl Big Mouth season three Adam's family a whole bunch of stuff and human resources when's that coming out it's gonna be a while but a while we gotta all go right. we gotta good go luck thanks, thanks for doing man. this thanks right. for having me. All right, thanks to Mallory, Shea, and Nick Kroll. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. Don't forget to go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to Simply Safe, the best choice, hands down, for home security. Every door, window, and room protected 24-7 for just $15 a month. No contracts, hidden fees, or fine print. Remember, for my listeners, Simply Safe has a huge deal going on right now. SimplySafe.com slash BS. A free HD security camera when you order. That's a $100 value. We'll make sure that it can take advantage of their video verification technology. Get your free HD security camera right now at simplysafe.com slash BS. 
SimplySafe with two eyes. SimplySafe.com slash BS back Sunday night with the cuz. I'm going to confront him about how he laughed at me on Sunday night's pod when I said that Christian McCaffrey was the reigning, uh, was the kind of favorite for the MVP. He laughed. And then I noticed on Against All Odds two days later, it was one of his segments. Oh, wow. Is Christian McCaffrey on, the lead Sal. choice for MVP? Sal, you thief. You're being confronted on Sunday. Until then.